Rebel Force Radio is brought to you by Nissan USA. Celebrate Star Wars The Last Jedi with Nissan. Nissan's Star Wars droid repair bay virtual reality experience puts fans right in the action. See it at select Nissan dealerships. For more information, visit NissanUSA.com slash Star Wars. Need a good night's sleep? Casper can help. Get $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting Casper.com slash RFR. Use promo code RFR. That's Casper.com slash RFR. The all-new Star Wars collection at Stance.com. Visit Stance.com slash Rebel Force Radio and check out their new collection of Star Wars socks. Choose from the light side and the dark side. All of your favorite characters, exclusive box sets, and more. The Star Wars collection at Stance.com slash Rebel Force Radio. From Tops comes the all-new digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. For the first time ever, collect and trade everything from legendary 1977 Star Wars cards to new cards featuring exclusive content, all from the comfort of your mobile device. Star Wars Card Trader. These are the cards you're looking for. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Two weeks away, and counting about 14 days, until the release of Episode 8, The Last Jedi. And the PR machine is in full swing as the stars from Star Wars hit the morning shows, the late night talk shows, and everything in between. And really sharing nothing. Now, they're sharing great stories and anecdotes. and But uh, you can imagine with a, the amount of secrecy that shrouds this, this, this franchise, uh, and historically so, uh, there's uh, not a whole lot of plot detail going on. But we're, we're sifting through all of this for you, and we'll present what we feel is, uh, is the most relevant. So welcome back to uh, Rebel Force Radio. Of course, this week's show for December 1st. 2017 and oh what a show we have coming up this week uh in the cantina with us we're welcoming back fj DeSanto. many of you remember fj earlier this spring following the release of the first trailer came on the program and made a lot of did a lot of uh, prognosticating about what he thinks is going to happen in the last jedi and we'll be sitting down with fj for one last shot and to see if he has any revisions to his theories and speculation before we see The Last Jedi. Plus, as I said, the media tour going on, uh, Fast and Furious for Star Wars The Last Jedi. We're going to be checking in with Daisy Ridley, John Boyega, Ryan Johnson, and uh, uh, others as they uh, make the rounds and uh, get everybody psyched and excited for 
episode eight. Uh, also, we're going to give away some socks. We talked about that last week on the program. So from our friends at Stance and uh, to help me get through all of that and so much more. Of course, my good friend and yours from Chicago, Jimmy Mack. Hey, Jason. Hey, Star Wars fans. So psyched now for The Last Jedi. This is getting real. This is getting real, folks. And it's getting real close, too. As we said, the media tour for Star Wars The Last Jedi is in full force. Ah, so you get that you ah, get that pun. Uh-huh. Now I know you avoided that pun and went for a totally different franchise when you were talking about it, and you said it's going fast and furious. And I was like, well, yeah. really, Jason, Fast and Furious? A totally different franchise, but okay, whatever. I like but one that I force. celebrate. I celebrate. <laughs> you, you celebrate Fast and Furious. Yeah. Um, there's a joke there that I'm not going to tell because this is a family show, <laughs> so we're just going to move forward. Hey, hey I resemble that. <laughs> I resemble that remark. Is it wrong? That's, that, that's going to be the theme of this week's show. Is it wrong? Is it wrong that I'm preparing... For Star Wars Episode Eight: The Last Jedi, by watching the Family Guy adaptation of the original trilogy, is, is that wrong? That I'm—that's that how you, I'm preparing. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! That you are ramping up your excitement by going back to the Family Guy uh, parody trilogy. I am. I am. I, but see, I didn't think you were a big fan of that when it came out. Well, you know what? I was weirded out by that uh, Obi Wan Kenobi guy that they had. The uh, you know the guy who talked about the force. Yeah. Force. Oh, oh yeah. How am I doing? Just keep your knees bent. Imagine you're spreading butter on a big piece of bread. That's it. Spread that butter with the force. Force. Uh, but it was it was just it, it was his attraction of little boys that really kind of unnerved me, yeah, and that was yeah. and, and I got to be honest with you, that was my introduction to Family Guy. I wasn't really on the fandom train for Family Guy when they started parroting Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Star Wars was my introduction to Family Guy. I mean, let's face it, this goes back to 2008 when uh, Star Wars parodies were. Uh, the, the golden age of Star Wars parodies, I, oh, I would say. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and uh, and was doing you know, them. Family Guy, of course, The Simpsons has a long tradition of uh, parodying Star Wars in little, uh, little ways. But I mean, when it came down to Family Guy and Robot Chicken dedicating full episodes of their programs to Star Wars parody, it was. Uh, it was overwhelming at times, and that was my introduction to Family Guy. Robot Chicken, I was kind of already on the bus for that one because they had done some other Star Wars skits before they actually committed full episodes to Star Wars parodies. Mm-hmm. But uh, Family Guy, that was a big introduction to I me. Mean, I remember our old buddy Pete, uh, Pete Nadel, he was the only fan of Family Guy I knew that was That's around, right. you know, because that show kept yeah. appearing and then it would get canceled. And then like four years would go by and all of a sudden it's back. 2008 or so, that's when the show was really starting to gain some traction and really uh, become sort of solidified as a primetime cartoon staple. The parody of Star Wars, uh, A New Hope, I thought was really good. Like I said, that that weird uh, Obi-Wan, was uh, he kind of threw me off a little bit. But uh, for the most part, I thought the animation was really... Uh, Paid a keen eye to authenticity and uh, m- making it just right. There are some great animated sequences. Oh yeah, 
that really, I mean, the Hoth pre- battle for one, and just like yeah, sequences in space with the Star Destroyers and the Falcon, it, it really is just a great attempt at animating the original trilogy, even in those little brief moments, because they 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 went for authenticity. You could tell it was fans animating this. Oh, and of sure. course, Seth MacFarlane has been outspoken about his love of Star Wars, as is Seth Green. Obviously, that connection is there. And uh, Mila Kunis, obviously, very uh, silent on the subject. Uh, don't know what her Star Wars fandom <laughs> no, is. I, no, I'd like I don't to find out. Any, uh... Yeah, no, no, no definitive statements from. Uh, Jackie from that '70s show, Mila, yeah. or uh, what, what's her name on the? She's Meg, Meg, and so like she. Uh, well, of course she doesn't have much to say about. It. She barely showed up in those parodies. I think in the Empire Strikes Back, she was nothing more than the space slug. <laughs> That's right. The cave is collapsing. This is no cave. What? lines in these things shut up meg <laughs> forget about that yeah. i forgot about that so, so been prepping for the last jedi in a most unconventional sort of way because i know the last jedi is going to go dark they keep telling us the rolling stone article this week preps us with the headline jedi confidential Inside the dark new Star Wars movie. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. So we've been getting prepped for this for a long time. But I think Ryan Johnson says in the article, he's like, yeah, everyone says it's so dark, but there's still moments of comedy in there. It's It, it gets lighthearted at times, but uh, I'm bracing myself. I'm bracing myself. I mean, let's face it, Empire Strikes Back, that was that was dark. But still sure, maintain the sure. integrity of the yeah. saga. And, uh, yeah. you know, uh, Revenge of the Sith uh, took very uh, dark twists and turns, you know, and uh, still maintain the integrity of the saga. I think we're ready for a, a darker Star Wars. Uh, but uh, I, I'm relieved to know that Ryan Johnson says we'll still have some comedic moments in there. And uh, that's uh, why I'm prepping myself by watching Family Guy. <laughs> for the light moments. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, I'm, I'm, No, I'm, I'm actually prepping myself for the dark moments oh, by filling I myself see. up uh-huh. with, like, lighthearted humor and, and everything the, the like that. The Family Guy stuff. Yeah, yeah. the Family Guy, yeah. the Family Guy. I like when the, uh, like the ad ad hurts his leg. Falls just, down. Ow! Ow! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Hey, speaking of funny stuff, this really did blow me away. Um, because what you know, look, this is not—it's not the first time it's happened where something that we've said on the program sort of becomes uh, mainstream and shows up in other places without attribution. We'll just leave it that way. But this—it's <laughs> happened before to us. Um, But uh, Campbell Evans, a faithful Rebel Force Radio listener, um, tweeted us and pointed out that IMDb, you go there, right, Jim? You know, you check up on movies that are coming out. Almost daily. Yeah, it's it's, it's a a big deal. It's a big deal. Um, They currently have a quiz about The Force Awakens. And one of the questions refers to one of our inside jokes. And this was really cool. So I click on the link. I go there. 
and they have a this quiz that you can take how well you know the force awakens and one of the questions there's a photo of Finn, this is the moment when he's water, 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 I need water, water, water. And he goes and he's there with who? The question is Finn drinks from the trough of which animal on Jakku? And the answers are, possible answers are, Hapabore, Hufflepuff, <laughs> Hornswoggle, or Hogsquaddle. Hogsquaddle! Can you believe that? And everybody knows that it was coined here on the show, Kyle Newman. Hogsquaddle. Hogsquaddle Hogsquaddle was the name that we gave to the the Hapabore, which is known in. Well, long Uh, before he was a Hapabore. Yeah, long before he was a Hufflepuff. (laughs) He was a Hogsquaddle. (laughs) And uh, it's great to see that Hogsquaddle has gone mainstream. Yeah. I I, I think it's a three-headed monster here that deserves the high fives, of course, us here at Rebel Force Radio, Kyle Newman for creating the concept. But we, we tend to forget Paul Bateman's contribution oh, yes. to the hog squaddle legend is that he <laughs> created vintage packaging for a hog squaddle toy that went totally viral. Yes, that's <laughs> After, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's a three-headed monster. And you guys, too, obviously, for sure. spreading the hog squaddle love. I mean, so it's great to see that one of our silly little jokes has become mainstream and uh, really hilarious to see the screen grab. We'll put that up on rebelforceradio.com so you can go check it out for yourself. Um, but uh, uh, thank you to our, our friend Campbell for sending us the screen grab. And if you want to uh, take part in the IMDb Force Awakens quiz yourself... Just go to imdb.com and do a search for The Force Awakens, and you'll find the quiz. There you go. Yeah, thank you very much for that. Uh, we got a voicemail here to play. Let's. Uh, who's this from? I think this is from Charlie. Charlie actually sent us this message via MP3, sent to show at rebelforceradio.com. Let's hear what Charlie has to say. Hey, Jason and Jimmy. This is Charlie from Massachusetts. Um, I wanted to call and ask your guys' opinion about spoilers because this is kind of something I've thought a lot about and it might be kind of a controversial take, if you will, but anyway, here goes. Um, (laughs) I know that a lot of people have been upset with the amount of footage released in the new TV spots and I personally am not one of these people. I absolutely love it and I see... Um, the term spoiler meaning something that is a huge reveal or huge information in the, the movie released. You know, I think if a person at the end of The Empire Strikes Back walking out of the movie theater said, oh, Darth Vader is Luke's father, I would see that as a massive spoiler. Or at the end of The Force Awakens, hopefully people listening to this have all seen that movie, um, oh, Han Solo dies. To me, that's a spoiler. I see, you know, um, I guess I don't want to make people upset, but a certain somebody in a recent TV spot being spotted in the Millennium Falcon or another certain somebody waking up in a Bacta tank. I see that as stuff to make us excited about the movie. And I don't think that they're giving too much away because, one, I have faith in Ryan Johnson and all of the um, movie makers of this film to save all of that really important juicy stuff for the movie itself. In addition to, they just announced that this movie is going to be the longest-running ever Star Wars film at two and a half hours. 
So I have faith in them. I'm not one of those people who says, oh, I am going to hold off and not watch any new footage until the movie. I say bring it on because I'm excited, but I kind of just wanted to um, get that out there, and I was curious to hear your guys' opinion on that and spoilers. Um, love the show. You guys are a big part of my week every week. Um, happy Thanksgiving, fellas. Thanks. Aw, well, thank you. Same to you and yours. Um, I would just say that I, I think he makes a great point about, you know, what he's saying is, look, there are spoilers and there are spoilers. Um, and, you know, some folks take it to an extreme. They don't want to see anything. They don't want to see a trailer. They don't want to see any publicity stills. They don't want to read anything. They don't want to see interviews with cast members, all of that stuff, because they think it's going to spoil the film for them. I agree with Charlie where he says some of this stuff is just to make us more excited about it. And so seeing shots of Finn waking up in the back to tank, seeing Luke step on board the Millennium Falcon and the lights coming on, uh, seeing Han and Chewie back on screen for the first time, Chewie were home. Those weren't, for me, those weren't spoilers. Those were things that were designed. Those were images, moments that were plucked from the film and put into a reel designed to make me excited and want to see the movie that's like saying that you know if you're flipping through a catalog and the picture of the product you're about to buy is a spoiler it's not a spoiler it's just it gives you some context gives you a sense of what it is that you're about to buy so uh i I agree with charlie i think some some folks are a little overly sensitive about the spoiler question yeah and i think it's much different nowadays than it was say, a mere 10 years ago, before we really saw the rise of social media, where it seems like you can't open up your browser and punch up Facebook or Twitter without being exposed to some sort of information that maybe you would have liked to not have in your head going into the film. So with people so jittery about that kind of stuff, Seeing anything (laughs) has become a very sensitive issue. I heard some fans saying, boy, uh, that shot of the Falcon busting up out of the the, uh, surface crust on crate into the sky that we see in uh, one of the TV spots. Like, boy, I really could have gone without seeing that. I could have waited till the movie before seeing that. Oh, my God. But you know what? You're seeing a half of a second of what is probably a pretty substantially long action sequence in the film that will build up as it takes place. And it'll put you there if it, if if the special effects guys are doing their job and, and the filmmakers and the editors, you'll be right there riding along with it. So when a Falcon busts up out of the surface, a crate you'll still be pumping your fist up in the air because you're going to be taken on the ride. Right. You're not being taken on the ride with these brief little glimpses. Yeah, sure, it's a little taste here and there, but you're still not on the roller coaster at this point. It's a whole different experience when you see it all put together and put within context and within the pace of the film itself. And that, is what's going to be the great experience. And these little glimpses of the film that you're getting now won't even matter two weeks from now because you're going to be riding so high on the buzz of seeing this completed film along with the sequences put within context of the pace of the film itself. 
So we'll all go on the ride and have a great time. And it, it really just won't matter in a couple of weeks. So I think everyone just needs to chill and relax a little bit. I know my friend uh, uh, Richard Roper, who is a Chicago film critic and uh, media personality, he told me once he never looks at trailers. He will not watch a trailer. I said, well, what if something pops up on TV? You know, He goes, I try not to look. He wants to go in there fresh. And when you watch movies, four to six of them a week, and that's your job, I think it's it's kind of a an interesting flow to get into where you just don't even look at any of that outside stuff. You just see the movies for what they are. But we're fans. And so we're latching on to everything we can get. And if, if you're you're the type of fan who wants to go in as fresh as possible, God bless you. But if you're really that sort of person, you're not listening to this show right now. You're not listening to us just merely speculate on what we're going to see in The Force Awakens because you want to go in there fresh, right? So you wouldn't be listening to this show in the first place. So I don't even know who I'm talking to right now. <laughs> I'm talking to Jason, of course. Yeah. And uh, Jason, he's, he's going to be probably as spoiled as I am. And let me ask you honestly, Mr. Swank, I think I'm going into this film feeling pretty fresh. Yes, I'm taking, you know, like, like with Luke going into the tree cave on Dagobah, I, I, I'm taking what I have with me into it. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel, I, I, I think I'm going to be just as surprised as Luke in the tree cave on Dagobah when Darth Vader suddenly pops out and I take his head off. And then I see my own damn face in the helmet. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> that's that's the type of thrill I'm looking for going into yeah. the, the last Jedi. I've seen every TV spot. I've watched the trailers numerous times and convene with you each and every week to talk about it. But yet I still feel like I'm going in very fresh and I'm going to be ready to rock opening night, December 14th. Yeah, me, me as well. Me as well. And I think they've done a great job of kind of keeping the keeping the, the, the lid on the spoilers. Uh, you didn't see quite the same level of uh, spoilerific news that we saw with The Force Awakens and uh, for a lot of obvious reasons. Uh, but this one does have me going into it feeling... As you say, pretty fresh. Have an idea of where it's going to go. We'll talk to FJ in a few, and he'll give us his last call on how he thinks it's going to go. But for now, we'll wait and see. Um, You had mentioned about what a crazy ride this is going to be. It is a crazy ride. And speaking of crazy rides, let's talk about Nissan and the ride that they're going to be putting people on in the build-up to The Last Jedi. This is so exciting what Nissan is doing. Last week we had Jeremy Meadows on from Nissan, and he was talking to us about all the great things that Nissan has going on in conjunction with the release of Star Wars The Last Jedi. And here's the thing that I think is fantastic, Jason, is this weekend, the day this show goes live, it also is the launch of the Los Angeles Auto Show. And Nissan is going to be there, and they're going to have a huge presence uh, just this week. They announced that six Star Wars-themed show vehicles will be on display at the L.A. Auto Show at the Nissan Exhibit in celebration of the brand's ongoing collaboration with Lucasfilm for Star Wars The Last Jedi. And these show vehicles, Jason, are amazing. Now, in the past, we've seen Nissan's 
customized rides uh, before based on Star Wars, inspired by Star Wars. Well, this time, they're collaborating directly with Lucasfilm to bring you amazing, amazing customized uh, cars. You can see the full lineup at uh, the LA Auto Show, including the 2018 Nissan Rogue Sport A-Wing, which, of course, is based on the iconic... Uh, you'll, you'll see uh, uh, Nissan uh, based on the look of Kylo Ren's TIE Silencer. And that's a showstopper. My goodness. The photo opportunities at the auto show this week uh, through December 10th are going to be absolutely amazing. But the thing that I think everyone's going to be stopping to talk about is the customized Captain Phasma ride that's going to be on display. It's a 2018 Nissan Maxima Captain Phasma. The way they designed this car, you will look at it and you will see Captain Phasma's helmet right there in the front of the car itself. Uh, You'll be able to see it on display this weekend at the LA Auto Show, including a 2018 Nissan Rogue Poe Dameron X-Wing with BB-8 riding in the back. I've seen similar takes. uh, Last year, Nissan had a Rogue that was... uh, had uh, X-Wing exhaust jets on the side of it, and it had an astromech in the back. But this year they've gone full-on Poe Dameron with this amazing car that actually has the S-foils in attack position and BB-8 riding in the back. And if you look at this car, you will see Poe Dameron's X-Wing. So uh, this and so much more on display at the Los Angeles Auto Show through December 10th. Um, Amazing collaboration with Lucasfilm and the uh, special effects wizards there to create these incredible cars. Also, you do not want to miss the Star Wars Droid Repair Bay Virtual Reality Experience. Now it's like Nissan dealerships. Go to NissanUSA.com slash Star Wars The Last Jedi to get more information and to find a dealer near you where you can get this great augmented reality experience. Nissan and Star Wars teaming up again for The Last Jedi and incredible chances to celebrate your fandom with the car of your dreams. Available now at a Nissan dealer near you, or as we say, visit NissanUSA.com slash The Last Jedi. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right, as we mentioned... You're two weeks out from the release of any film, much less a Star Wars film. That is the time when the cast starts making their rounds. And boy, have they ever. We're going to kick things off here with Daisy Ridley appearing on ABC's Good Morning America. Now, Jim, I didn't see this. Uh, You're kind enough to root through all of these interview segments. uh, Yeah, that's right. I watch it so you don't have to. Yeah, that includes me, and I appreciate that so much. But I do like to think of you on the couch, 7 a.m., 8 a.m., eating the bonbons, and, uh, you know, after everybody's gone to work and gone to school, and there you are, uh, eating your frozen snacks and watching Good Morning America and claiming you're doing it for show prep. But well, we listen, know that you're there to watch. Replace the bonbons with maybe a couple eggs over easy and some crispy bacon, and we're in business. All right. And uh, so there I am sitting there with my coffee mug, 
and uh, watching Good Morning America, Crack at Dawn. That's me. And uh, I'll do it because Daisy Ridley is appearing on GMA. And uh, one of the questions that the host asks her is about this whole notion that our beloved Ray could actually slip to the dark side. So let's hear how Daisy responds to that very question. Any chance that Ray goes to the dark side? I love that. (laughs) You're pretty good at this thing. You know, I think the thing about this film is it's not so... The lines are less clear as to, like, good and bad. Ray is trying to find out about herself and about the universe, and and those questions don't entirely fall to the good, nor do they entirely fall to the bad. She's trying to do her own sort of personal growth, and uh, and I think what's amazing is the end of the film, however that does end, it's more rich. Because you can't, if it's always good... The outcome isn't as important as it might be if, yeah. you know, that's there's a great tease. That's true. Yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So more talk of this gray, more talk of this middle way, this third way, and that perhaps this journey that Ray is on is more personal in nature. This is this is her own score to settle. This is her own quest, not necessarily being. You know, dragged in per se by other forces. When you talk about the the whole gray area of the force, I mean, we're not talking about Jedi here, okay? Because there are no gray Jedi. The Jedi only operate in the light side of the force. It's impossible for there to be a gray Jedi, someone who taps into both the light side and the dark side. That wouldn't be a Jedi, nor would it be a Sith. A Sith only taps into the dark side of the force. They don't use the light side for anything other than perhaps manipulation, but that's a phony use of it. The whole idea of gray, gray, gray is not Sith or Jedi. It's a new kind of force user. And which which they very well may be going for at this point. That may be what they're looking for, is How, this where, new brand of, of force user. But if you're not committing one way or another, and you're just working in the middle what does that mean you're tapping into the dark side of the force the dark side of the force is evil corrupt and uh, self uh, absorbed and a path to destruction just by tapping into it that is jedi dogma that is jedi dogma thank you very much palps yeah but you look at you you're all dark side and stuff. You're you're all uh, extremely dark side. I have become deformed. Well, yes, yes, that's very apparent by your breath. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, let me ask you this, though: the, yeah. the statement that Obi Wan Kenobi makes mm-hmm. to Anakin, you know, the Sith deal in absolutes. Don't the Jedi deal in absolutes as well concerning their relationship to the Force? Yeah, I, yes, in in one sense, but I, I just feel like they were. I I don't know. I perhaps um, you know, there's there seems to be a perception that there's that there's more freedom when your morality and your uh, desire to help the common good sort of goes out the window. Um. I, th- that line has been a mystery to me, um, and I and I think what I honestly think it was 
is I think that it was sort of a an answer in a way to the, well, you're either with us or you're against us kind of thing. And, I, you know, former President George W. Bush said that in the aftermath of 9-11. And I, and I, and I felt like that was sort of a response, almost an editorial response to that. Because Anakin says, if you're not with me, then you're my enemy. Right. And that's what prompts Obi-Wan to give that, to give that line. Only the Sith deal in absolutes. But uh, one thing that we learned from episode three is that, you know, certainly the the Jedi are living in some serious glass houses as they're throwing stones at the Sith. They've got uh, problems in their own house. And it's, uh, you know, there's it's 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 ripe with hypocrisy. And I feel like that line is one of them. That is one of them. You know, having a, a situation where you can form no attachments. Well, that sounds pretty absolute to me. Right. There was a lot of rules. There was a lot of yes. absolutes yeah. to being a Jedi. Um, I got a great email here from Marcus, loyal RFR listener Marcus, who says, Can you guys put an end to the talk of Kylo Ren being a gray Jedi? He killed his father. There's no light left in him. Luke resisted the dark side and saved his father. Ben was unable to do so. So do you have any response for Marcus? Because all I wrote back to him was, thanks for listening. <laughs> um, well, you know, I'm, this is definitely going to come up as we uh, welcome FJ back to the show later on uh, in the cantina, because I, I'm, I, I'm almost going to wait on this because... I have a feeling we're going to get to this idea of gray Jedi. The only thing I will say is that, you know, it, it hadn't really occurred to me that in all of this talk about, you know, the, the gray, the in-between, that we could be talking about anybody but Luke. I thought that Luke was going to represent this sort of third way, this 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 new way. Um, the fact that it could be Kylo Ren is, is interesting, but what... But, what he's saying here is that he feels that he's irredeemable. You know, the, the, the killing of his father makes him uh, so entrenched with the dark that there's no way he could come back around. And, and, and I like to think that he still could. And what better way to honor his father and the life that he lived and the sacrifice he made than you know, taking that sacrifice and making it the turning point in your life. I I think that would be a fitting end. I don't think it's going to be wrapped up that neatly though. No, I no, no. I I think it's a lot more complicated and, uh, you know, for, uh, I, I, I tend to believe that Kylo is on the road to redemption from a storyteller standpoint, but there are some big hurdles for him to overcome. Then, sure, that blade, that blade in the Han Solo's gut, I'm still feeling it. Pal. Oh, Darth Vader stood by and watched an entire planet get destroyed. I mean, Darth Vader saw the, you know countless examples of genocide and participated in some of it, and he still found redemption. Vader didn't press the button, though. He just stood there and watched. A lot of people did. There were like 20 million people on board of the Death Star. Something like that. I he was definitely complicit. 
He was he was definitely complicit. Yeah, there's no question there. He's like, I'm done with this. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we we have more of uh, yes. Daisy on mm-hmm. Good Morning America. She talks a little bit about her hesitation as is, is to watching herself act in you know her own films. She doesn't sit around and throw in Blu-rays of herself acting all the time. But she does reveal something interesting about. Uh, uh, her relationship to the Last Jedi in this clip. So uh, go ahead and give this a spin. Let's hear uh, Daisy talking about we what, what it, mm-hmm. <laughs> talking about what a torture it is to watch yourself act. You didn't like your performance in the first movie. No. Why? Why? Everybody loved you. What do you mean? Um, I don't know if it's ever nice watching yourself. Like I liked the film. The film I was like great, but obviously. It's very weird, and we'd spent six months filming, and then it was like over a year later that it came out, so it's all these weird sort of memories, and then actually seeing the thing that you did, it's, it's well, see, really that's about live. We never have to watch ourselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but even, even this one, I watched it last week. Yeah. Yeah. Did you watch, you watch any of your movies? Um, well, I watched uh, Murder on the Orient Express at the mm-hmm. premiere, and I was like, and then sort of, you know, it takes a little while to process that. But that was nice, too, because it was very much a group thing. And then I did see The Last Jedi a couple of weeks ago. Um, and again, I was like, I can't watch this. <laughs> um, but, you know. Surprised? Do you, do you know, sort of know everything? Because obviously you're not shooting all your scenes together. I was more surprised with this one. Wow. Yeah, because there's there's like a there's a few you know storylines that are sort of coming sure. together and can you um, imagine a better tease guy. than that? She was more surprised than anybody. Aha! Yes, yes. So that would that would imply that there are some perhaps big things about to happen to characters outside of Daisies, outside of Ray. Well, she's the lead in the film and said that there was a lot in this film that surprised her. So Yes, I, but I think, when yeah. she saw it, when she saw it. So, when she saw it, right, right. So I think we, we, we could assume that she's surprised about those scenes that she's not in. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that's, uh, like, like you said, that's a good endorsement. I, I found it very interesting that she'd seen it already, uh, this far away from the actual world premiere the world premiere is happening in uh what just a mere week yeah uh, yeah so uh jason and was it i the 10th it's on the 9th 9th december 9th in la mm-hmm. and uh jason and i actually did make it official we are uh rsvping uh we cannot make it so but thank you to uh disney lucasfilm for inviting us to the premiere but i personally can't make it because my wife is having knee surgery uh the day uh before and uh or two days before so i am needed around the homestead my friend and also very much looking forward to our rebel force radio opening night meetup at hollywood boulevard cinemas in woodridge it's a sold-out event We sold out the theater. We're also appearing (laughs) that day, uh, opening night at uh, 315 Mm -hmm. at uh, Lions Township High School in LaGrange, Illinois. We're going to be right next to the Reber Center. Yes, sir. uh, (laughs) Doing an hour-long Q&A, talking Star Wars and podcasting. And it's going to be broadcast on Lions Township's LTTV. 
And uh, hopefully there'll be links that we can offer uh, you guys worldwide that you can uh, tap into and watch. Or uh, at the very least, I'll beg them for a DVD that I can rip onto YouTube or something. So you guys can see me and Jason go back to school. We're going back to school. Swank is smoking in the boys' room once again. Or, or wait, no, that that was me, not you. Yeah, I'm no. sorry. That that's me going back to no, school. I'll be, Jason, I'll be stuffed in a locker. Somewhere. Jason stuffed in the locker. Yeah. Oh no! And he got a wedgie too. Oh, so, over the yes. head, over yes. the head, a swirly, a nuclear and a wedgie. wedgie. <laughs> and a swirly, and uh, all of the above. And yeah. I am the one who's going to give it to Jason. So you don't want to <laughs> miss that. Be there. At uh, we'll we'll be on the campus of LT. On uh, December 14th, starting at 3.15, North Campus. If you want more information about it, just send us an email, show at rebelforceradio.com. I know a lot of people are coming into the area to join us for our opening night screening. And uh, so hopefully you guys can make it over to uh, the western suburb of LaGrange and uh, hang out with me and Jason. Sheldon is going to be there, and it's just going to be a blast. I'm so excited. I mean, you know, Christmas, forget it. The Last Jedi, that's the holiday. Very much looking uh, forward to that. So uh, let's get back to our highlights here, though. Um, Now that our personal appearance plug is over, uh, we have (laughs) one more cut from Daisy Ridley on Good Morning America. Um, Remember those videos that Josh Gad shot of Daisy Ridley while they were uh, filming Murder on the Orient Express. Josh is also in that movie, and he was shooting these uh, these uh, videos of Daisy where he was just peppering her with all these questions about The Last Jedi, and it was really funny to watch her get all frustrated about it and everything. One of those videos featured Dame Judi Dench. Yes, the great Dame Judi Dench, um, and she was asking, nothing like a dame. She was, she was asking um, Daisy, you know, what's up with Raylo? How many midi chlorians does Ray have? You know, things of these. Yeah. The it was just like so deadpan. It was hilarious uh, to hear some of that terminology coming from uh, the, the the great uh, Dame Judy Dench. So um, they asked her, uh, Daisy. They asked Daisy about those uh, wacky videos on Good Morning America. And uh, I'll be darned if Daisy doesn't give us a little reveal about something that could potentially happen in Ep 9. Wow. We did a few with her, literally crying with laughter. Like, I thought there's no way I'm going to get through it because she was saying midi claw. Like, she didn't know what anything was. And she kept saying, how do I pronounce this? Oh, that's How do I pronounce it? Because her grandson knew, but she just had no idea. It was brilliant. Did you teach her how to speak Wookiee? We didn't go that far. <laughs> she put her scarf up, and no one told her to do that. We were like, "You literally look like a Jedi Knight." Yeah. Yeah. So we campaigned to get her an episode nine. Oh, that would be so great. yeah. Did you hear that? Ooh. Could you imagine Dame Judi Dench M in yeah. F nine? Wow. Just the way it's it, you know, it was the way Daisy said it. Mm-hmm. We're campaigning like, to get her in episode nine. Like she was actually like I know really something excited. you don't know. Yeah, oh, she was almost like that, right? Yeah. And couldn't you see Judy Dench in a Star Wars film? I could easily. Well, Daniel She's Craig a- was in one. Why not get M in there? <laughs> Why not? We had 007 Bring on M. Next thing you know, we'll have Q. Yeah, Desmond Llewellyn will be brought back. Via Q and, CGI. And, 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 and and lighter Felix. 
and Felix Leiter, the whole gang will be reunited. This will be great. It will be the ultimate RFR Bondcast crossover episode. But, no, we don't, we, we don't see that happening. But it was just the tone of Daisy's voice teasing the mere notion that it's been pitched to Lucasfilm to have Judy Dench in episode nine. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe two years from now, we might be listening back to this show and going, aha, Daisy. Aha. Well, I'm thinking maybe Judy Dench could probably play like, you know, Maz Kanata's mother or grandmother or. <laughs> Maz. I, you know, I don't see the maybe family resemblance. Maybe she's mom Kanata. I, I, I don't see the family resemblance unless I really squint very hard. Well, then you, I kind you've of got to. You've got to. And she's a little she's a she's a shade lighter than Maz. But uh, I, I think Judy Dench. I mean, imagine the uh, just the weight that her presence would give, you know, in a Star Wars movie like that. I mean, we've we've seen, um, you know, we've seen heavyweight uh, male actors. We've seen your Peter Cushing's. We've seen. Uh, Liam Neeson, we've seen uh, 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 Max von Sydow, we've seen uh, Christopher Lee. We've not really seen a, a an actress with that kind of presence and power. Wouldn't that be something if uh, Dame Judi Dench was sort of the token sort of legend actor that comes into the Star Wars film? Almost seems to have the gravitas of a Sir Alec Guinness, you know. Oh yeah, I mean, how did I forget Alec Guinness? Of course, it, it would uh, it, it it would be fantastic. So, uh, boy, I don't know. I'm listening to Daisy's voice, just that little sing songy way that she's <laughs> that they were uh, pitching. Let's we hear that again. With Hold her. on, we campaigned to get her in episode nine. Oh. <laughs> So there you have it. I, I think there might be a little truth behind that. Like I said, it's, it's we, probably six months to a year uh, before we start really hearing news about casting for Ep9. Uh, however, when, when should Episode 9 go in front of the cameras? Maybe this summer, right? Yes. This summer it would have to go in front of the cameras. Yeah, yeah, for the 2019 release, for sure, yeah. So we'll see. Maybe April, May, June, we'll be right. hearing about what role Judy Dench is playing in Episode 9. But uh, you heard it uh, here first, actually, via Good Morning America, actually via Daisy Ridley. <laughs> so, uh, And we have more Daisy. Daisy's yeah. all over the place. She showed up at uh, Live with... Kelly and Ryan, Kelly mm-hmm. Ripa and Ryan Seacrest, and uh, she talks a little bit about, uh, as we've been hearing, um, The Last Jedi is kind of a different take on Star Wars. It's different. It's, di- it's, it's different. It's a new, it's its own thing. Ryan has definitely made his very, like his own, he put his stamp on it. Um, from my point of view, Ray is uh, on a more of an emotional journey this time than a, uh, a physical one. Mm. There is obviously some physical stuff in there, but it's, um, it's emotional on the island. She has, gets to ask some questions about herself and about the world around her and try and figure the things out. There you go. Uh-huh. So, again, very personal, very emotional. Um, perhaps, perhaps, in some ways, the big... You know, intergalactic conflict gets is sort of on the sidelines when we're dealing with Ray. And with Ray, it is, as we were saying earlier, 
this very uh, personal story, that this is not about her trying to uh, save the galaxy. This is her trying to uh, reclaim who she is and get a sense of, as she says in the trailer, get a sense of where she fits in in all of this. You know, there's a this new article in Rolling Stone called mm-hmm. Jedi Confidential Inside the Dark New Star Wars Movie. Daisy Ridley talks about continuing to play Rey as part of her career, you know? Mm-hmm. And she really believes that with these three films, that will be it for Rey as far as her involvement is concerned. You may have seen the headlines, too, you know. Some other news sites have picked it up going, Daisy Ridley, never to play Ray again, you know. I mean, being very uh, firm. But, I mean, listen to this little blurb from the actual article itself. It says, as far as Ridley is concerned, the future of Ray is pretty much set. She doesn't want to play the character after the next movie. No, she says flatly. For me, I didn't really know what I was signing on to. I hadn't read the script, but from what I could tell, it was really nice people involved. So I was like, awesome. Now I think I'm even luckier than I knew then to be part of something that feels so like coming home now. And so the guy who's uh, writing this article for Rolling Stone says, uh, but um, doesn't that sort of sound like a yes? And Daisy says again, no, smiling a little. No, no, no. I'm really, really excited to do the third thing and round it out. But ultimately, what I was signing on to do was three films. So in my head, it's three films. I think it will feel like the right time to round it out. So she's saying that's it. Three and done. I mean, of course, 20, 30 years from now, (laughs) when we're ready for her to come back in episode 10, she doesn't really have a say in the matter. But I, she is not. Here's the thing, though. And this is something that I was wondering when the sequel trilogy launched was, uh, are we going to see a sequel sequel trilogy? Will we get 12 films, as was originally predicted by George Lucas back in the mid 70s? Will there be a 12 part saga? And uh I I think the answer for now is no. Keeping the door open for a couple of decades down the road for when uh, it's time then for Ray to uh, come back. Should Ray survive the events of this trilogy, of course. Mm -hmm. I mean, we don't know. But uh, I think I think the odds are favorable (laughs) that she will. Um, I I think the odds are very favorable. But uh, but nothing is set in stone. Uh, yeah. However, what I'm not seeing here, Jason, is six films back to 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 back, to back featuring Ray, Finn, and Poe. It's going to be a stand on its own three part trilogy, of course, defining trilogy. And uh, then uh, Daisy and John Boyega and. Oscar Isaac will ride off into the sunset, much like Mark Harrison and Carrie did. And Star Wars will then go and explore other avenues of storytelling. But again, like I said, when that phone rings 20, 30 years down the road, <laughs> and Daisy is in uh, you know, her uh, 
one of her several mansions in the south of Italy or wherever she is. You know? Yeah, so, right. Pick it up and say, sign me up. Yeah, I, you know, I always, um, I don't know. I, I, I just, I remember when after Skyfall came out, um, or Spectre rather, last Bond film, you know, the media just couldn't wait to ask mm-hmm. Daniel Craig, you know, well, when's the next one coming out? Are you going to do the next one? And he said, uh, I'd rather slit my wrists. And, of course, everybody went crazy with that. No, he hates playing the role, and he wants to get out of it, and blah, blah, blah. And the answer behind that was, look, uh, these movies are difficult to make. They take a lot out of you. I think he was injured twice on the, on the, on the set of that film. Uh, and, the, and the first thing you ask me is, when are you going to get back and do that all again? You know, enough with you. Hmm. Um, still, despite that, and I understand where he's coming from. I just really never been a fan of actors making these grand announcements that, you know, that's the that's the last time they'll ever play this role and all of that. You know, I mean, just I, I don't know. Well, remember, I'm not, Sean I'm not ready to hear it. I'm, you know what I mean? I'm not ready to hear it yet. Remember Sean Connery's big return to 007 after taking about a dozen years off was uh, titled Never Say Never Again. Yeah, <laughs> okay? for sure. So if that's not a message, then I don't know what is. But hey, instead of uh, looking ahead to the future, let's uh, get back here into the present. Uh, Daisy Ridley with Kelly and Ryan, and she talks about what Ray is searching for in The Last Jedi. She's trying to figure out where it is she came from in terms of parentage, heritage, whatever that may be, but also just questions about the wide world. She's been alone for so long, you know? Mm. She has a lot of questions about the whole thing. All right. The whole thing. The whole thing. Parentage, heritage, all of it. Where did she come from? How does she fit in? So that's her quest. That's her journey. I think a lot of those answers will be revealed. Let's hope so. Jedi. I, I think so. And it's going to take us to a point where we now know the characters so well. So for the third act, we're really invested in them. We yeah. know where they're coming from. We know what their motivations are. We know what their histories are. And we know where they want to go. So uh, it could be left very ambiguous by the end of episode eight. And I think that'll give us a lot to talk about in the downtime between the two films. But I also think it's going to really put us on some firm ground as far as understanding who these characters are and what they're all about. Uh, Another character uh, who uh, will receive that sort of uh, close look by us is, of course, Finn, FN2187. John Boyega appeared on Good Morning America this week, and uh, he discussed a little bit about Episode 9, which I wasn't expecting. Is it too soon to ask about episode nine? It's too soon. <laughs> too soon. It's too soon. I tried for you guys. It's too soon. This one. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I haven't seen a script. I haven't seen anything. Uh, so. Nothing. Nothing at all. All I know is that J.J. Abrams is coming back. Yep. And oh. I did email him and say, are you coming back because of me? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, yeah. It's all right. Nothing to see there. Nothing. <laughs> right, 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 right. No script. No nothing. Uh, nothing. Uh, He's they, got nothing. Yeah, Dad. Well, I mean... They've pushed back the release of the film uh, because of J.J. and his writing partner sort of getting a later start after Colin Trevorrow was given the boot. And um, so I'm not surprised that there's no script, but Jimmy bring up a good point earlier that 
likely cameras are to roll on this thing. We would we would assume sometime this summer. Yes, absolutely. Or to make that December 2019 date. For sure, for sure. Now, the thing that is revealing to me is that at least we know that Finn survives the events of Episode 8, The Last Jedi. I don't think that was anything that was really being debated amongst fandom too much. Will Finn survive the events of The Last Jedi? Well, no, but at least with Boyega saying that, you know, he's uh, he's aware that he's going to be in Episode 9, so now we are too. Two weeks before the film opens up. <laughs> Finn survives! Yes. Yay, yay. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, Finn survives uh, despite the porgs, and uh, you'll hear why as John Boyega gives us his impression of those cuddly, soft, fluffy little bird-like things that are going to overpopulate The Last Jedi. I don't like them. Really? Yes, because I have a different experience to you guys. I think you lot saw it in a nice box with the branding and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah okay, but, but let me put this image in your head, guys. I saw these porgs in a hole in the Millennium Falcon, and there were little mini porgs, like smaller ones, bunched together with big ones, and their black eyes just peering at you. I have a problem with holes on trees, too, so I can't stand it. I can't stand it. Christmas. Do <laughs> something else for Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, just something else. They're cute though. Yeah, not a fan. John Boyega, not a fan. So let me get this right. Kind of creep him out. What Boyega's saying here is that he saw a bunch of porgs in a hole in the Millennium Falcon. What does that mean? A hole in the Millennium Falcon? I think and he's talking about the smuggler uh, port. You know the. Okay, maybe. He says he doesn't like to look into holes in trees either, though. I mean, hey, Boyega, look, there's a hole in the tree. I, I dare you to go look in there. <laughs> I don't know what that was about at all. I don't either. Holes in trees. All right, so, but he saw a bunch of porgs, all different sized ones, in a hole in the Millennium Falcon. So right. Maybe that's a hint. There's going to be a hole in the Millennium Falcon filled with porgs. Doesn't that get you pumped up? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, interesting stuff with Ryan Johnson stopping by the Instagram studios to do a uh, uh, an interview there. That was kind of a, a joint uh, effort between Facebook and Instagram. I, I think the same company owns both. I don't know. Um, but uh, here's what, Ryan Facebook Johnson. and Instagram. Yes. Yeah. They okay. Yeah. They do. So. Um, so uh, Ryan Johnson, who's uh, obviously an avid uh, photographer and someone who uses Instagram all the time, he's certainly shown us a lot of behind-the-scenes photos of things happening on the set of The Last Jedi via his Instagram account. Well, he was invited to their studios to do a live video interview, and uh, that elusive topic, um, the all-new trilogy that Ryan is going to be developing for Lucasfilm to take place in some unknown, uncharted corner of the Star Wars universe. Uh, Ryan actually talks briefly about it. Right now, I'm just at the beginning of the beginning of figuring it out, but that's the possibility of it, just like the open sky possibility of telling a new story with the canvas of three movies in this world. And it's just, yeah, I... (laughs) I'm excited about everything uh, that's possible in that. Well, we are too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so he's got the blank canvas he talks about. So 
How blank is that canvas? Well, though, that's really? the big question, isn't it? You know, he's going to say, well, I'm going to do a story about the first Jedi. And then Lucasfilm will go, well, you know what, though? We really spent a lot of money developing the sequel trilogy and that era of Star Wars. What is, we have the costumes and the Stormtrooper <laughs> armor and stuff. I mean, wouldn't it just be better if you did something like within that realm? Oh, okay, okay, I'll do that. Well, this is going to be about a smug... No, not a smuggler. It's going to be about a daycare worker who's... Uh, let's stop you right there, right? Go back to that smuggler idea you were pitching there. We kind of like that one a little bit better because we have this theme park in Orlando and Anaheim that's supposed to be based on like a, a seedy spaceport. Maybe the smuggler can make that his base some, of operation. Get right? some synergy going here with yeah, this. Let's, let's, let's build it together. You got to think like a Disney marketer, Ryan. Are you marketeer. down with that? Marketeer. Marketeer. Come on. <laughs> A marketeer. Are you down with that? Uh, oh yeah. I, oh yeah. I could be down with that. So uh, I, I'm. I'm down with it. <laughs> so, but I mean, you know, I. How blank is that canvas? I know a lot of fans would like to see something in the old republic. And again, I think that's more right for a television series than it is for a, a trilogy. I, I think. The obvious choice is to expand the story beyond the events of episode two and beyond the events of everything happening within the Skywalker saga, you know, but take that as your foundation and then create something new off of it. And I believe that's the direction Ryan's going to go in with the all new trilogy. All right. All right. So uh, uh, getting focused back on this current sequel trilogy in Episode 8, he talks about the one Star Wars film he really paid attention to as he prepped for The Last Jedi. We rewatched Empire just for visual cues, for lighting, just because I still think it's the most beautiful of all the Star Wars movies. Um, but then we, uh, I kind of had, we kind of had to make a decision, or at least I did early on, at least in terms of how the camera moved and the camera angles, that I kind of decided, okay, I, I can't constantly be thinking of how do we imitate the style of either the original trilogy or The Force Awakens. I've got to, the same way that in telling the story and coming up with it and writing it, I had to personally engage with it. That's the only way I could. I couldn't feel like I was just doing what someone else would do. We had to do that with the visual style too. So, um, so we took some lighting cues and some visual cues from Empire. Obviously, design-wise, there's a language that goes through all of these movies. But in terms of the camera, we really had to just get in there and do what do what felt right. Do what you know. Do what turned us on. Like that's what you always have to do in each shot. I think so. So we try to do with this. Well, that's going to make some people maybe a little bit nervous in a sense that, you know, it goes back to uh, some of the criticism that was leveled at Force Awakens as this is a retread of A New Hope. And first thing out of Ryan's mouth is, yeah, I went back and, you know, picked up on some visual cues for The Empire Strikes Back. Now, I know what he means by that. I know he doesn't mean that he's picking up story cues or 
plot or beat cues from The Empire Strikes Back. He's talking about visual cues. He's talking about, you know, perhaps the color palette and the 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 overall cinematography of The Empire Strikes Back. And he says he finds it to be the most beautiful of all the all the films. I, I it's hard to argue. It's certainly the I think probably the most beautiful of uh, the original trilogy. No question about that. Um, but uh, it could ignite some more speculation about what role um, Empire is going to play. Yeah. And I was thinking that myself when I was hearing the, the, the clip was, uh, you know, he's looking at the second episode of the original trilogy because he wants to make the second episode of the sequel trilogy look like the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> this is going to be a retread again. But um, and I'm not one of those guys who yells and screams that the Force Awakens is a retread of a New Hope. Yeah. But the similar story beats are quite obvious, and I can go, you know, just probably off the top of my head, I could go through probably a list of about fifteen to twenty similarities in the story, the two stories. I'm not going to do that right now. If you want me to do it, maybe uh, send me an email and I'll type it out for you. <laughs> but um, but. Uh, yeah, that's the thing. That, but he also says he watched it because he considers that to be the best looking of all the Star Wars films. Yeah. So if he was directing, you know, the third episode of this trilogy and said, well, I went back and watched Empire Strikes Back because I think it's the best looking of the, all the Star Wars films, you wouldn't bat an eyelash. But because of the symmetry between it being the second episode of the original trilogy, this being the second episode of the sequel trilogy, you're thinking to yourself... Well, what's going on here? I mean, yeah, <laughs> right, you know, right. but I, I really don't think that that's what we're going to. And, and he's very clear that he can't have that sort of idea gnawing at him on the set when he's shooting this stuff. He has to make sure that the camera and the angles and the way that it's all being shot is something that feels right to himself as a filmmaker. Yeah. He can't be bogged down with the things that happened in the past, which is probably one of the qualities of the guy that makes him so attractive to Lucasfilm that they would hand him the keys of the car and say, make a new trilogy. Right. You know, it, it's that sort of philosophy that acknowledging the past, but keeping it fresh and personal enough for himself to create stories for the future. So um, very enjoyable listening to Ryan Johnson talk. And I'm really looking forward to getting to know the guy when he could speak freely about these films and not have to talk in code and tap dance around all the questions and everything. I really want to hear him get in depth about Star Wars and specifically this film. So uh, I that's too. That's something to look too. forward to. Yeah. That's something, something that's been happening that's been really great, too, is Mark Hamill is back out there, and he's getting a lot of mainstream love and appreciation. He appeared on the Ellen Show this week, and it was a, a rather brief interview, and, you know, they, they it was really softball stuff, you know. And, and what's happening in all these interviews, they're asking about Carrie Fisher and her last appearance and everything, and, and, and it's all touching and it, to me and everything. But um, I'm not pulling clips of that because it's a lot of the stuff we've heard Mark say previously. But the thing he did say on Ellen that cracked me up, he came out there and he said, well, I'm supposed to come out here and talk to you about a film I'm not supposed to talk about. How am I supposed to do this? So I thought that was... <laughs> 
that was pretty humorous, but that pretty much sums it all up. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's the case with Ryan Johnson. You know, he's talking about a film he's not supposed to talk about. When I really think that this guy has some incredible nuggets of information he's going to start dropping left and right. In, uh, in interviews we'll be reading in late December, January, February. I think uh, he's got a lot of things he wants to say about right. Star Wars, and we've not even scratched the surface. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, one last one here for you, Jason. Yeah. Is, uh, Daisy Ridley did a video interview for Vogue magazine where they fire off a bunch of questions at her, and uh, they, they wrapped up the interview with saying uh, – uh, they they got very intrusive. Uh, they really want to know information about episode eight. Okay, now the most serious question. Yeah. Can you tell me everything that happens in The Last Jedi? Sure. First, you're just going to have to sign this. Okay. It's just a little contract I uh, um, drew up with my... Oh, okay. no, not there. It's oh, just a bit about... Are you sure about what this? What happens if you I don't have tell a lawyer. anyone? Oh, it just, yeah, it keeps going. Okay. Oh, it's a lot, it's a lot. If you just sign uh, it. Okay. There you go. Oh, got that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there okay. we go. There we go. We'll sign that off. All right, Daisy, give me the details. Let's do this right now. Come on. Um, so, the beginning is uh, me and we're on uh-huh. and then oh. there's a all of a sudden coming from Okay. Uh, it just comes out. We have Adam Driver, we have Oscar Isaac, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then oh. another one. It's, it's going to blow your fucking mind. That's crazy. Don't worry. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and that's that's how it ends. That is incredible. Yes. Thank you, Daisy. Oh, gosh, two more weeks <laughs> until we're privy to know all of that great information. Wow. Well, it must be great to work for Teen Vogue. Uh, was it Teen Vogue? Or just regular <laughs> I think it was just Vogue Vogue. Vogue. Just regular Vogue. Okay, yes. strike a pose. Uh, all right. Well, you know what? Let's give away some socks. How about that? We talked about it last week. And uh, we've teamed up with the folks at Stance.com, and uh, we're helping them tell you about these amazing new Star Wars socks that are available right now. In fact, I'm looking at a pair of these socks, and I will tell you, you know, nothing against going to Target and going through the, uh, the dollar aisle, and you might find a pair of, you know, cheap Star Wars socks and you get them and they go through the wash one time and all the colors fade or they shrink up on you and you have to put them on a doll. Uh, These are, these are legit real socks. Okay. These are legit socks. They just happen to have incredible Star Wars characters and uh, on them. And the holiday Star Wars collection, they feature casual and performance style socks along with three pairs of men's boxer briefs. It's the Men's Casual Collection, features iconic graphics, as well as new characters from the upcoming film Star Wars The Last Jedi. And in addition to their men's and kids' styles, the brand also introduces new women's styles for all you fangirls out there. So once again, I can't stress that these are very quality, quality socks with great, iconic Star Wars imagery all over them. And in stance is known for embracing the uncommon thread. That's its mantra. And they have turned uh, one of the world's most boring accessories, socks, into its most exciting. Absolutely, Jason. And what makes me so excited to be working with Stance is that we are allowed the opportunity to give back to you, 
regular listeners of Rebel Force Radio, Star Wars fans everywhere, just dying to see The Last Jedi and looking to make their feet very attractive for opening night. And, and we're here to help you out with that. We're giving away one pair of Amazing Stan Star Wars Collection socks each week leading up to the release of The Last Jedi. We'll also be giving away some Stan socks at our uh, opening night screening event at Hollywood Boulevard. And all you have to do to become eligible to win on the show is to tweet at Rebel Force Radio. I want to wear a pair of hashtag Star Wars socks from at stance when I see hashtag The Last Jedi. And uh, we're choosing one winner at random live on the show each week, and we're going to do that right now. Uh, I have the Twitter open, and I am uh, taking a deep dive, and I'm pulling up a name here. Yes, we have Christopher at The Missing Chris. Mm. And uh, Christopher is uh, someone who... Uh, definitely uh, typed up uh, what we asked him to do, and he also says he can't come to Chicago to join us to watch The Last Jedi and opening night with cold feet. So that means oh, Chris is actually going right. to be joining us out at the event. Fantastic. That's fantastic. So, uh, great. Uh, Chris, we want to see you, and we want to see you wearing your Star Wars socks from Stance when you watch The Last Jedi with us. And uh, I can confirm... Your feet will be cold. Welcome to Chicago in December. Uh, But uh, seriously, Jason, we've had some pretty good weather out here in the 40s and 50s, but I understand there's going to be a big dip, of course. We call that the uh, Star Wars opening temperature drop (laughs) here in the uh, area where uh, it it goes from uh, the the 50s and the 40s down to uh, the 10s and 20s. Yes, we're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to be as blue as Max Rebo, but we're going to be warm because we're going to be wearing Star Wars socks from Stance. Thank you so much, Christopher, at The Missing Chris, for participating in our giveaway. Everyone, please keep hitting the Twitter with your tweets to become eligible to win a pair of Star Wars socks from Stance. We'll be giving away another pair next week as we get one week closer to The Last Jedi. You know it, you love it. From Tops comes the digital card collecting app, Star Wars Card Trader. Yes, collect and trade over 1,000 officially licensed Star Wars digital cards. All of your favorite characters, vehicles, and locations from the Star Wars universe are here, including replicas of those amazing and iconic original 1977 top Star Wars trading cards to futuristic all-new cards with exciting digital twists. And of course, you can find exclusive content from the all-time U.S. box office champ, Star Wars The Force Awakens. Download it today in the App Store or in Google Play. And of course, we're using the Star Wars Card Trader app here at Rebel Force Radio. You can always trade with us here 24-7, 365 days a year. Just search username Rebel Force Radio and do it all from the comfort of your mobile device. It's the Tops Star Wars Card Trader app. These are the cards you're looking for. All right, as promised, joining us in the cantina, our pal F.J. DeSanto. Star Wars, Star Wars Cantina. Where are you going, Master? 
for a drink. Sorry about the mess. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. We must be cautious. I like how some of the percussion in that tune sounds like clinking glasses. So appropriate <laughs> for in the cantina. So pull up a stool and pour yourself a glass of something or get up there and talk to Wooer because we are in the cantina with our pal and the man that we are here tonight to give him one more shot, one <laughs> last chance to be, in his words, profit or loser. When it comes to his Last Jedi predictions. F.J. DeSanto. Profit. Or loser. (laughs) (laughs) Jim, it wasn't that long ago we had F.J. uh, on. F.J., welcome back. Uh, now, FJ, yeah. the last time we had you on the show, I was not on the cantina though. I didn't no. know this cantina thing existed. I'm very. I would have had a drink. Well, well, no. well, no. Just thank God you're you're up to dress code at least. So uh, you, don't and, even know, you don't know that. Trust me. Well, the dress code in this place is you only have to be wearing pants. So thank you for uh, like wearing I said, pants. Like oh. I said. <laughs> oh yes, theater of the mind for sure. Um, yeah. Boy, I don't even want my mind to go there though. But uh, but so we're in the cantina and we're going to catch up with you now. The last time we got your very bold predictions about The Last Jedi came on the heels of the release of the first trailer at Star Wars Celebration Orlando. So this is back in April. Right. And uh, we, we've certainly uh, we, we've got more info. We, we got a full trailer since then. We're starting to see a lot of TV spots and read interviews. And uh, we're, we're still trying to connect the dots. But I went through that show in April, uh, just prior to getting you on the line here in the cantina, and um, and I, I put together a list of your predictions for the Last Jedi from last April. So, do you want me to just run through the list, and uh, you can tell me when to stop, and then uh, you can uh, I- expand on your thoughts or, or whatever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And and so this is just uh, to the best of my ability <laughs> as a. Uh, 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 what, what do you call those people in the courtrooms who sit there and type everything you say? Uh, stenographer, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Court reporter. I'm, I'm not, I, let, let's yeah, court reporter. Let's let's see how, how good a court reporter I am. So, um, obviously, the last Jedi begins where the Force Awakens ends. Ray's handing Luke the lightsaber. FJ, you said uh, Luke uh, will react uh, in a very sort of like an apathetic way. He doesn't want to train Ray. He doesn't want to rejoin the fight. He doesn't want to get back involved. Uh, At the meantime, at the meantime, the resistance and they are saying, well, we have to get out of here because obviously Uh the first order knows we're here. Right. Uh So you you have Poe and you have Leia. And they're uh, making their plans to evacuate. Meanwhile, Snoke meets with Kylo on his Super Star Destroyer. All right, I think this is where where it might be a little different, but okay, keep going. Okay. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, we're going back to April here. So uh, Snoke meets with Kylo, and he wants to complete Kylo's training. He's proud of Kylo for killing Han, but disappointed he didn't find Skywalker. So... Kylo gets a little pissed off 
because uh, uh, Snoke is holding him to such a high standard. Um, meanwhile, uh, with Luke out in the wild, he's throwing the balance of the Force off. He wants the Jedi to die out. He wants to die, leave the Jedi behind. He's isolated and alone. Thus, this is what brought out the First Order and Snoke and everything is because the balance of the Force is tipped in the wrong direction. Uh, Ray wants to be trained. Luke wants in the Jedi to protect everyone. Meanwhile, here, here's where it starts getting really interesting. Hux arrives with his fleet to destroy the resistance fleet. And this is when Phasma kidnaps Leia. Mm. Mm. Yeah, this is, this is where I think it, it now I I'm pretty confident in a lot of things you've read. This is where I think now I'm wrong and I'm happy to admit that. Um, I think, I don't think they kidnap Leia now. Hmm. I think they go on the run. I think they may be rescued by Haldo. And, and I think at a certain point, I, I think they, I think that it's, it's cleaner than what we're probably thinking is that they get away. But I think in this, sort of situation is somehow they get the, the, the first order, get the map, mm. you know, like, cause now you have, cause you've got to get, I think you got to get Kylo to Octo. I think that's a huge chunk of the movie is him and the Knights of Ren or somebody showing up at Octo. And I think there's this whole running theme of Snoke now, sort of like, you suck, Kylo. <laughs> you know, bring, the only way you're going to redeem yourself is if you bring me the last Jedi. Mm -hmm. And I don't think, you know, like I said, I think I've said this before. I don't think, um, you know, when he gets there that he's going to find Ray. Like, he doesn't know that. Right. Um, so you you think that there's going to be a reunion of Luke and Kylo on Octu? Kylo may not be aware that Ray's there, but he's there right. for one reason, and that's to take down Luke Skywalker or or bring Luke Skywalker to Snoke. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Is he there by yeah. himself? Do you think he brings uh, brings? Reinforcements. You mentioned a, the Knights of Ren. I think he brings it. I think he brings a gang with him. Okay. Yeah. All right. And here's what I here's what I think. I don't know if I've said this before, but here here's something I think happens, which is, um, that, um, he gets there, and is like, I'm you know like, and let's just say there's some action thing, and Luke and. Uh, Chewie and R2 and Ray are, you know, sort of fight off the Knights of Ren and, or whoever Kylo comes with, if he comes with stormtroopers or whatever the hell. And then I think Kylo sort of lets that happen and is like, I think I've sort of said this before, is like, hey, we all want to kill Snoke. Snoke's a dick. Let's, <laughs> you know, like, I know I did all this dumb stuff and I killed my dad. And I led to the destruction of the Jedi Temple because, like, 
all that stuff. But Luke, join me, the nephew, and Ray, you can come too, and let's at least get rid of Snoke and then either figure it out or this is what's, you know, sort of best for the so, so you, you know, you think galaxy. Kylo Kylo's gonna go sideways against Snoke like soon. And Oh and, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. what do you think is the motivation? What 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 will happen uh because Snoke chews him out? What will happen to make yeah, Kylo I decide think, this? I think I think I think it's gonna go back and Again, if I'm repeating myself, I apologize to the audience. Um, I think it's going back to, hey, my new empire. We talked about this last time. Mm. And I think he's the living embodiment of the new Anakin. Like, I think he's like, you know, hey, yo, everybody, my new empire. Mm. So he's not necessarily turning to the light or turning good. Like, no, that... That's still a struggle because there's a bit I'm convinced also, by the way, and if you watch the materials, this might not be something I've brought up before, but I think there's something in the materials where like that hints that some at some point on crate, Kylo and I think there's a Kylo and Leia scene. Now, originally I had it where she was kidnapped, which I think now in retrospect is, you know, wrong. And and I think she sort of, you know, is on the run with the group and all that stuff. And you have these sort of issues with Haldo and you have these issues with – and I have a whole new theory on Poe. It's not really a new theory, but but it's sort of a, a deeper theory of what I was sort of, um, you know, thinking before. And the point being is I think when you see Leia in that trailer like standing on crate by herself mm-hmm. – I'm convinced that's either two things happen there. Either Luke shows up and she's reunited with Luke, which I don't think is the case, but I, I think it's also Kylo because there's shots of Kylo like in a very similar framing and similar like environment with a bunch of snow troopers and stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if they have this moment where the two of them, you know, sort of interact and she's sort of like, oh, you, you know, you killed your dad. You suck. And, you know, and he's like, leave me alone, mom. Oh, mom. And, <laughs> you know, like all that stuff. And, Wait, well, you know, you have. One thing that we know, FJ, which was revealed, Adam Driver himself, I believe, said it in an interview, is that one of Kylo's motivations is that he felt that his parents weren't paying much attention to him. They were more concerned about intergalactic politics and bringing the uh you know building the the new republic and all of that and they were you know i tweeted this i tweeted this the other day and and i think people thought it was sort of joking but it's when you said moonraker's a great movie no i love moonraker so (laughs) shut up immediately no it's okay we just uh we have the bond cast where we just reviewed moonraker and those shows are coming out soon so you crack me up so what I think – wait, now you blew my whole trip. Oh, I tweeted, <laughs> hey, like he's this – you know, go easy on Kylo Ren. He's the son of a pirate and a terrorist. Uh, uh, you know, he's the child of a pirate and a terrorist and the nephew of a cult leader, you know, like a religious <laughs> cult leader. Sort of – go, but, but, 
you laugh. Yeah. yeah. But when you look at it from, a, you know, the, the classic Star Wars line, a certain point of view, he yeah. really is. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the kids, you know, you, we don't know the state of the galaxy during his childhood. Yeah. You know, so it's like you, you sort of get a hint of it in Battlefront. You know, Han's got the beard. He and Chewie go off to Kashyyyk. You don't quite know, you know, to free all the Wookiees. You don't know when that is. So if, like, the kid's, like, eight or nine years old, and it's like, Dad's off freeing Wookiees. <laughs> you know, and they've already acknowledged, you know, like, Chewie knew him as a kid and all that stuff. So, you know, there's some weird stuff that I think is going to put Kylo Ren in a grayer area than what we're all thinking as a character. It's funny that you mention that because when we talk about the gray, and that's been mentioned many times uh, by many folks, that that's what this trilogy is about, this film in particular, uh, you know, down to the tone of Luke's uh, costume, all of that. I keep thinking, oh, the gray, that's Luke. Luke is the third way. Luke is the middle way. I've never no. really opened my mind up to think that maybe it's Kylo. Maybe Kylo is the gray or maybe Ray no, is the gray. I think Ray is. And I think, I think what, I think what this is sort of, well, no, I have another theory on this is I actually think in this whole idea, this is one variation of sort of what I was saying earlier, which is if there's this third way, which she says in the trailer, she says, I see the dark, I see the light. I see something else. Right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now, that could be a trick of marketing, editing, and I'm a sucker for it, right? Or, you know, based on stuff you're reading in the comic with the Lor Senteca stuff in the Poe Dameron comic, where there was there's there they've implied that there is there was a unified version of the Force that predates even the Sith and the Jedi, right? Yeah. Uh, if, if everybody's reading the Poe Dameron comic, that's in the issue that was out this week. The question is, are these two kids, Kylo Ren and Rey, now, I don't know if they're siblings, you know, that, that's a whole other conversation, which I, I won't speculate on. So you, well, I was going to ask you where you stand on this whole Raylo business. Are, do you think that there's I potential think for there romance? Halves. I think they're two halves mm. of oh. a much larger coin. Hmm. And I think they're the yin and yang. I think they are the yin and yang of this unified force. And they either work together, you know, or they're, you know, are they lovers? Are they siblings? Are they, there's so many ways you can go with this, right? It's Hmm. so mental when you really think about it, that you could do all this really cool, crazy shit with it. And, You know, like, but I think no matter what, these two characters represent a yin and a yang to a new version of the Force. Can I go through the rest of your predictions all at once here right now? Sure, sure. We'll get you to weigh in uh, with more detail on anything you hear that kind of sounds out of the ordinary to you now months later after you've mm-hmm. made these predictions. So um we left off with um Phasma kidnapping Lamb. No, that's uh, out. That okay, I'm so done. that's out. I'm done. I'm 
constant. I'm, I'm pretty certain that is out. Finn is sent on a mission to find DJ, who is the Benicio del Toro character. Rose helps Finn escape because at this moment, the resistance fleet is under attack by the first order. So Rose helps Finn escape and goes with him to the casino planet. Canto bite. Uh, Phasma, who has Leia as her captive, takes Leia to Snoke and Kylo. Phasma also has obtained the map to Luke Skywalker. Snoke gives the map to Kylo and tells him to bring Luke back. While this is going on, Luke is testing Ray's skill on Octu. He's not necessarily training her, but he's just sort of testing her to see how deep she can tap into the force when she's on her knees and breathing heavily in the first trailer uh, what you said fj is at that time she's going through a similar experience to luke in the cave on dagobah and this is when she sees obi-wan and yoda she has a vision of obi-wan and yoda at this point all right can i stop for a second and just give some brief revisions okay so the quick brief revision to the theory is that the resistance somehow escape, you know, a la Empire Strikes Back, Hoth evacuation. I think they get away with the help of Haldo and they make their way to Crate. And in that is all sort of the political intrigue of Leia, Haldo, and Poe. Okay. And I think Poe is sort of like, he's going to be like Cassian in Rogue One. Like, I've been doing this my whole life, and he's starting to crack a little bit. Like, like he's just like, I want to fight. I want to blah, blah, blah. And I don't think Ray and uh, Rose escape. Like, I think what happens is they're sort of, like, like meaning, like, escape, like, in the middle of some kind of battle. I think they're with them. They escape, right? The whole resistance escapes. And then there's, okay, how do we get to Snoke? Like, we got to blah, 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 right? And I think what happens is Maz, and I've sort of, this, this is, again, just sort of variation of what I um, implied. Um, Maz sort of says, you got to go to Canto Bite because this dude is so rich, Snoke. Like, the, the, you got to cut him off here or there's something here etc. And that's where DJ comes in. Like, I think Maz facilitates the DJ relationship. And DJ is going to be the one who gets them to Snoke. And when they sort of discover that, and again, my chronology is sort of weird here, because you know, there's sort of been implied that Poe has this, like, new engine on his X-Wing, and he's going to do all this cool shit. And so I think there's this thing where DJ gets involved and that's with Rose and Finn. That's sort of that adventure with BBA. They go do their thing. Um, and that's your sort of Bespin analogy. While Luke, I think he does a little more. I mean, all the trailers are her, like, I need to find my place, help me, blah, blah. And Luke is sort of like, okay, putting it through the paces. And I still think there's going to be a Force Cave kind of scene. It might not be what I originally pointed out. It might be now we see that underwater thing. Um, but I do think she will interact with some form of um, force ghost that implies this unified thing. 
And that could be, by the way, I think, like, remember they were doing that original idea of, uh, in the art of Force Awakens, this weird hybrid of Vader, Anakin, Force Ghost. Yeah. Which I think is super, super, super cool. And um, that, I think, is still in it. I, I, I still think all that is in there. So I don't know. So there, there's some variations of what I changed. I, I don't think like Finn and Rose escape during the escape. I'm sorry. They, they don't run off during the escape from Dakar. I think they all escape Dakar. There's sort of a moment of calm because you have them in the trailer. Like, hey, may the force be with you. And it's obvious they haven't sort of gone on the mission yet and all that stuff. Right. Okay. Okay. All right, so yeah, that's that's when they're leaving to go. I hope everybody can keep up with me because I can't even keep up with me. I don't even. In a couple weeks, we'll have no problem. Yeah, Um, I don't even know, you know, what I'm saying at this. uh, But so okay, so you say uh, Poe escapes with the resistance to crate. Yeah, I think they all escape together. I think Poe, Leia, I think they're saved by Haldo, or they rendezvous with Haldo, and that's where the political drama starts. Where I think Poe starts to like want to play dirty or do these crazy suicidal things, and his conflict is with Leia. He's sort of like the surrogate son, and she's like, "No, this is how you be a leader. You don't just dive headfirst into it. You know that's why your parents are dead, or that's why I promised your parents, you know, where they were rebel pilots when they retired. They got. I want you to have that life because all that's doing is setting up Poe as the successor to Leia." in the, you know, leader of whatever they end up right. sort of being. So he'll lead the resistance by the end. But Admiral Holdo is a rival? Yeah. She's a rival of Poe's or she just is resistant to his ways or doesn't believe in him? She she presents... Yeah, I, th- I think she's... I think, the, you know, what they've sort of said already is, hey, you know, she was sort of also... Um, raised by Leia, like politically, like like I think it, it said somewhere that she is, she was mentored by Leia. So I think there's an interesting dynamic here, and I think I think, you know, unless they kill Haldo off, you know, like she'll be an ongoing character. Um, but I think there's a power struggle, or certainly a difference of opinion as to what the resistance and quote unquote the Republic you know, sort of need to end up being or doing. It might not necessarily all be in this episode, but, you know, that's sort of the ongoing thing. Okay, I like that. Um, Kylo in the First Order or Kylo in the Knights of Ren, uh, they arrive on Octu. Yeah, and I think that's where you're going to see some muscle flexing from Luke. And I still think, you know, my whole theory of him not using a lightsaber is out the door thanks to the um, Japanese movie poster, which has him with the lightsaber. Right. So, you know, I, again, this, this is, this falls into the whole category of what are they not showing us? Because I was literally at a certain point, you know, next time I came on this show, I was going to be, come on and say, listen, I don't think Luke ever leaves Octo. And I, I, there's a part of me that still believes that. Like, there's a certain point where it's the Obi-Wan and Yoda begging Luke, don't go, you know. But 
there's the prophecy of my friends dying on Bespin and he's got to go do it. And I think, I think there's a, there's a possibility. I, I, and again, I'm not, I'm not sold on this, even saying it out loud that I think what happens is Kylo does this whole thing. I was saying before, like, listen, we all want to take out Snoke, so let's do it. And Luke is like, Nope, that's crazy. And me being out there disrupts the force. And she's like, screw this. I'm going with you, dude. I don't like you. And, you know, you killed Han Solo and you're Mm -hmm. sort of a, you know, douche. But I'm going to go with you anyway if it means, you know. And he could be like, listen, we know where your friends are. They know your friends are on crate. And I can help you. And we can take out Snoke and really start the galaxy from scratch and blah, blah, blah. You know, like, like he'll have some sort of persuasive yeah, reasoning he's, as he's to why. Going to, he's going to tempt her. And that's Luke saying, this is not going to turn out the way you think in the trailer. I think it's him saying to her. Like, I think she has like a sort of a, not necessarily a violent parting with Luke, but sort of like, you know, um, et cetera. And you have Luke on the Falcon, which I think is later, like, like he's earlier in the movie. Like, I think he goes to see Chewie and R2. Like, I, I know that can be interpreted in some way as like Luke leaving on the Falcon with them. And I think that is certainly a possibility, but that doesn't mean it's the case. Right. So mm. I think there's a possibility that the, 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 the gang as we know it sort of reunites at crate. And yes. uh, so I think you're and and that, and that goes to my earlier theory um, but I think the Battle of Crate is, is you know, sort of your mid-movie thing. And that's where you're going to have, you know, um, and I think, by the way, either Kylo or DJ is sort of, they're the ones who are going to help cripple Snoke, either financially or like there's something like if we do this on Canto Bite, we can hurt, you know, or we can discover the location of Snoke's. You know, Star Destroyer, which is really just another Death Star under a different name, because I think the motivation, and this is sort of just like reading some of the the materials that's already that's already out there, which is the implication is that, hey, that Star Destroyer, and you see it in the trailer, is Kylo. I mean, is uh, Snoke's. That's where. Hey, we make all the Tie Fighters here. We make all the weapons here. We do all this shit here. Mm-hmm. And like, if we do this, we already blew up Starkiller. But if we do this, we can take out the whole thing. And I think that's where your third act is. Everybody on Snoke Star Destroyer. So what I think what they do is, I think they do like a Return of the Jedi style sneak aboard the thing because you have Rose and Finn in the gear, you know, like in the disguise and all that stuff. And that's where I think DJ sells them out. I really do, because if you watch the shot in the trailer, he sort of looks like, you know, like, hey, sorry. And then there's a shot and, and then there's a shot of Finn in the trailer where, you know, he doesn't have the hat on anymore. It looks like he's a captive. And that could be me interpreting it that way. But it looks like he's being brought to somebody probably. And, um, you know, and you have the bit in the trailer or the TV spot where. Phasma says, like, so great to have you back. You know, she's saying that to Finn. There's no nobody else she's going to say that to. Yeah. Unless it's Kylo Ren, which I really don't think she would no, do that, it's, right? it's bound to be Finn. Right. So I think that they're – but I think simultaneously, I think they do the Return of the Jedi, like Luke as captive bringing – you know, Kylo bringing Rey to his master. 
you know, like I killed Luke Skywalker, like he bullshit Snoke, like I, I killed Luke Skywalker, but I brought you the girl or something like that. I, again, I don't know how Luke sort of fits into the third act because, and that's a separate conversation. But um, I think what happens is I think Kylo brings Ray before Snoke with the idea. Hold on. Of, you know what, FJ? Hold on. Hold on. Before you tell us your, your your prediction, can I just read my notes of what you said last time about this scene? Mm-hmm. And, and let's see how well it syncs up, okay? Okay, okay. Okay, um, uh, you, you did, uh, you're very consistent with your assumption that DJ will be the guy who sells out Rose and Finn, much like Lando Calrissian did, okay? Yeah. Do, mm-hmm. do you think that, um, like Lando, DJ will... Be redeemed somehow? Will he no. actually end up? Okay, so no. Uh, Kylo uh, shows up on Octo. Luke gets on the Falcon with Chewie, Ray, and R2, and they go to search out the resistance on Crate. Um, that's yeah, I think your prior. That's out the door now. I think that I think Luke in that equation goes out the door. Here's where your predictions get really interesting about the end of the film, okay. and I'm just I'm going to burn through this. These are the, the end of my notes here, and then I'm just going to let you uh, take over and update mm-hmm. your predictions. But here you say, Kylo or Snoke or both take Leia to Mustafar. There's a space battle between the Resistance and the First Order in space, and down on the ground, Luke is facing off against Snoke, and they're mm-hmm. battling with Force abilities like wizards. Meanwhile, Rey is involved in a rematch versus Kylo Ren. At this time, Snoke says to Luke, you didn't tell the girl, did you? Kylo tells Rey she doesn't know who she is. He wants to train her, much like in The Force Awakens, but he wants to train her to take down Snoke, as you said, and also emulating Darth Vader. Rey is the living embodiment of the balance of the Force, much like Anakin. Luke put her on Jakku, recognized her ability, mind wipes her to keep her from realizing her powers because he thinks she'll be dangerous for the galaxy. Rey gets mad upon hearing this revelation. She leaves with Snoke. The twins, Luke and Leia, combine their powers to become one with the Force to save everyone else. The film ends with the resistance in shambles. Ray is with Snoke. Poe and Finn have a throwdown because Finn sees the same problems with the resistance that exists with the First Order. And we're left on a cliffhanger. Is Ray, will Ray turn to the dark side? Okay. The, 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 the meat of that, I still believe. Good, because I, I, I believe, love it. <laughs> I still believe in some of these plot points. Yes, and let me be, and and the 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 sort of things that have changed in my mind is where Luke fits into this, which I don't know, um, and that's the honest to god truth. I still think there's a possibility of Luke and Leia force ghosting out of this in some way, shape, or form, um, which you can still bring either of them back in some sort of ghost form later on. What I think now happens is. I, I still think the Mustafar thing I think might be out the door and I sort of that sort of came up and I remember us talking about it when Mustafar showed up in Rogue One and someone on the that movie in some interview said, Oh yeah, in the reshoots we changed the location of that meeting 
you know, those two characters meeting, which were originally, if you see the trailers, were on the Death Star. We changed it to Mustafar because it plays into the larger trilogy. I mean, the larger franchise. Now, that could simply mean, hey, we're just connecting to the prequels and it's really super cool. Um, or, um, you know, I thought, hey, wouldn't that be cool if that's where Snoke and or Kylo live? You know what I mean? Like, the whole reason that is it would connect. Yeah. Now, you know, the question is, you see this really sort of awesome, dope throne room that he has, which you, we just automatically assume, and I actually think it is sort of been officially clarified, um, the that it takes place, that's on the Star Destroyer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think... Uh, I think everybody. So, so I'm going to throw out the Mustafar theory. I think that's out. Mm. Um, I'm gonna what? I, what? I, the revised sort of other thing is, I think Kylo brings Ray before Snoke, and I, I think there's going to be this whole gray area of whether or not you can trust Kylo. So, like, you have the bit where he's picking the lightsaber off the ground and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I actually think that's the moment where he's, like, sort of bowing or he's sort of been f***ed up by, oh, sorry, by Snoke <laughs> and all this stuff. And he's torturing Rey. And I think he has the Vader Return of the Jedi moment and mm. actually saves Rey. The big no. And I, yeah. So I think instead of a Rey-Kylo Ren showdown in the climax, I actually think... It's a Kylo and Ray against everybody climax, and because now, 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 bear with me here. Is I think it's going to be them versus the the Praetorian guards, um, yeah. and I think that's been hinted at in the making of stuff where you see like him, uh, you know, Adam Driver working with like two stunt guys and all this stuff. I think that's the Praetorian guards, and I think what happens is in this moment. Okay, this is this is what I was sort of alluding to earlier. Is Kylo uh, kills Snoke? Ooh. Okay. Damn. I don't think Snoke survives this movie or gets Ray to kill him. And then I think Kylo has the moment where he's like, "Listen, Ray, you and me, we rule the galaxy." And she's like, "That wasn't the deal." Hmm. Right. Hmm. That wasn't the deal. Like. We're supposed to, like, there's supposed to be none of this, and everybody can go live their lives, and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, no, I'm the boss now. Huh. And that's going to build up to their big throwdown in the, the ninth move. Uh, the, what's the next one? The ninth one? Right, yeah. Seven, eight, nine, right. So the ninth one. And either that or it's the gray area of she agrees with him or stays with him. But then you have, there's a shot so subsequently, while this is going on, you have our heroes sort of doing their thing. And it's Rose and it's um, Finn versus Phasma and the Stormtroopers. We're going to blow this thing up. We're going to blow this Star Destroyer up because it's freaking Star Wars and something big's got to blow up at the end. <laughs> so let's blow up hmm. the thing that builds all the TIE fighters and, you know, like, this is the real, like, Starkiller, he, Snoke doesn't give a shit about Starkiller. What he cares about is, all my money's on this thing, 
everything, the whole operation is on this mobile unit. And by the way, I think I didn't mention this. There's a whole I think there's going to be a lot of cat and mouse stuff with Hux. We never really talk about Hux. And I think Hux is actually going to be interesting in this. And I think Hux is sort of the one dogging the, you know, the resistance and really taking them out. And they're all sort of like, you know, their wits end. And I think there's going to be a little bit of maybe Hux versus Poe in sort of a game of wits sort of thing. But I think Kylo kills Hux also in that yes. throne room. Yes. I think he's just like, you know, like you have Hux sort of like, you failed again, you know, <laughs> Kylo Ren. He's just like, dude, and all of a sudden like, Hux's head is just rolling across the floor, <laughs> you know, and so I, I think I think I don't think um, uh, Huck survives this movie. I don't think Kylo Ren. I mean, I mean, I don't think Snoke survives this movie. Mm. And I think Phasma and Kylo are sort of like your your bosses of whatever this, you know, and it's my new empire. Here's my new empire. And she's loyal to whoever the hell, if you read that comic, you know, she, her, she's all about, you know, we have this, remember you laughed at me last time, but remember her gear is made out of Palpatine's yacht. Oh, right, right. Right? So she's like, he's like, I'm bringing back the old school. I'm bringing back the <laughs> empire. And she's like, hell yeah. And so now you have pissed off Ray, who's like, Luke was right. You know, I think by the time it's over, no matter what, Luke is right. Yeah. And she either goes back to him to train for real or is just like, oh, shit. and I still think there's like a sort of a schism at the end amongst the heroes, like who are still on the run. And I, I don't I don't necessarily know about the Poe versus Finn thing and all that stuff. It might be Poe versus everybody, sort of like you're all a bunch of wusses and, mm. you know, all this stuff. But I, I think I think no matter what, the heroes are fractured. You know, yeah. When Empire when Empire ends, it's sort of like we lost, you know, Han. We gained Lando. Um, oh my God, Luke is you know this and oh and this is the other thing. I I do kind of stand by is I still think Luke put her on Jakku. Ah, like like I still think this, and I also I had an earlier theory. Long time ago, which maybe somebody heard this and wrote down somewhere, one of you guys, which was Kylo knew about her or Kylo was the one who put her there was one idea we had sort of bantered about. Yes. So I actually think I actually think Kylo knew her, but thinks she's dead. Like, I I think here's the other thing we haven't sort of touched upon is the the, we're going to get the whole revelation of the force flashback, right? The force back from episode seven we're gonna get that fully realized version it's in the trailer of the temple of all this stuff and now it could simply be i I, there's multiple theories here i still think luke or kylo put her on jakku okay and never and like you know just but luke maybe thought she was dead or kylo thought she was dead You see what I'm saying? So like whoever like, put her there, the other one thought that she was dead. Right, right, they right, were, right, right, they right, were, right. But they were hiding her. Yeah. For mm-hmm. for for what reason? I mean, was it if it was Luke that put her there? Is it because Luke believes that reestablishing the Jedi Order is not the way to go, and so that these Force sensitive children need to be 
hidden away so that they can't be exploited for their power like they were under the uh, Yeah, I think that's a possibility. I think there's a there's a realization. I, I mean, look, I still think that what puts Luke into hiding is is the betrayal of Kylo. But I feel like there's this weird sympathetic element to Kylo that we don't know about yet. Like I, I, I just feel like it's not that clean cut. Like something happens and Snoke gets to him. You know, it's sort it's sort of like what you know, there's that great scene in Force Awakens, which I think is really underrated, where, you know, Kylo is sort of randomly standing at this control panel and the officer from another Game of Thrones actor shows up <laughs> and is like, listen, the droid got away on a, on a spaceship. And he's like, what? And he's like, he was with a girl. And, you know, and, oh, no, first of all, Kylo then just pulls out the lightsaber and destroys, like, the whole console. Right. Remember yeah, that? The total and then she's like, he was with a girl. And, the, you know, he force chokes the guy, pulls him to him. And he's like, what girl? Yeah. Right. And that's a great scene because, you know, I had like two or three people who were not even like, you know, our level of diehard. You know, when I say our, I mean everybody listening, all this stuff. Like I had like two or three people say to me, but that's what I thought Anakin was going to be mm. in the prequels. Right. Hmm. Where he was just like the, you know, the tempestuous thing. So I but the thing is, I don't think it's that clean cut with Kylo. I think something happens or there's some like I keep trying to put my finger on it because I still think even if Kylo at the end is like he kills Snoke and he's like, this is my empire. I still think there's actually a reason why he's right. All right, guys, I just got to interrupt one second here to thank our sponsor this week, Casper.com. At Casper.com, mattresses are perfectly designed for humans. They're engineered to soothe and cradle your natural geometry. And I would know because I have one. I sleep on a Casper mattress every single night. And I can tell you that it is the best night's sleep you're going to get. I mean, when you think about the amount of time that you spend on your mattress... It's like a third of your life. So why should you be anything but supremely comfortable? And Casper mattresses provide all of the support the human body needs in all the right places. They combine multiple supportive memory foams for a quality sleep surface with the right amount of both sink and bounce. My wife and I, we like very different surfaces, but yet we're both very comfortable on the Casper mattress. It's a breathable design. A lot of times some of these uh, different surfaces can get very, very hot. Not this. This helps you sleep cool, regulates your body temperature throughout the night. It was designed and developed and assembled in the United States. They've got over 20,000 reviews and an average of 4.8 stars across Casper, Amazon, and Google. They are becoming truly the Internet's favorite mattress. They're certainly my favorite mattress. And we want them to be your favorite mattress as well. So start sleeping ahead of the curve with Casper. And if you act now, you'll get $50 towards the purchase of any mattress. Just go to casper.com slash RFR and use the promo code RFR at checkout. That's casper.com slash RFR. Go there now. Use promo code RFR and save $50 off any mattress of your choice. All right, let's get back into it. So, FJ, if if Snoke doesn't survive episode eight. Mm-hmm. 
is this then to is 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 his function just to prop up Kylo Ren and yeah. Kylo Ren ascends to being the big bad? Yeah. I do okay. think that. Okay. And I, I still don't think Kylo Ren survives this trilogy. I, I, okay. I in some way, shape, or form. Like I don't because there's a reason they're gonna go do another non Skywalker trilogy. And I think this, the, that this will have not necessarily definitive end, but a clean end where it's sort of like the Skywalker oh, okay. line. Yeah. And by the way, you, we could still find out Ray is the sister or something like that. Yeah. But I think they're really smart if they sit there and go, what's the best ending for this trilogy and not worry about. You know, three more after this. No, we'll go to another part of the galaxy and Ryan will do something really cool. Mm. And we'll do Han Solo and Obi-Wan and all this other so You think that this trilogy will end very neatly, very cleanly. Not not a lot of yeah, loose ends. Yeah. yeah, I think this... Look, the other two do. When you really think about it, they all do. Yeah, you yeah. Know, Return of the Jedi is a clean ending. Revenge of the Sith is a clean ending. You know, it sets up the other thing, but... I mean, I think it. I think it ends with, um, you know, a very clean sort of ending. And I, and I think either I, I. I think no matter what, Kylo redeems himself by the time this is over, because that pull to the light business is is just too interesting. Mm. And you know, and I think you're going to see that in this. I, and by the way, he could do it in this, and I could be totally wrong. Where he has the moment of, you know. I, and he kills Snoke, and or he does something like like I just I just don't see how like if you're gonna blow up that star destroyer with everybody in it because you see Finn and Phasma fighting and then you see by the way if you if you've seen the recent TV spots some shot of Ray like using the Force like in a really intense way in that same location you know what I mean like she's yeah. she's like in that. Hanger, so she, maybe she's helping Finn and uh, what's her name Rose escape, you know, with their lives and shit like that, or you know, like she's doing something to help them. I doubt she's sitting there like, oh, I'm a bad guy now and screw you guys. I don't think that's the case. I think she gets played in this movie, and she's going to be angry by the time it's over. And I think she falls for Kylo Ren's shit. like, okay, he's like, we're going to do this, we're going to kill Snoke. And they do it, but he's got his own reasons. And it was like, damn it, I shouldn't have trusted you. Or she's like, hey, I, he's actually right. And you have Finn and everybody like, Ray, what what the hell are you talking about? And she's like, I'll help you guys escape, but I'm leaving with Kylo Ren and we're going to rebuild the galaxy. What do you think the odds are of a, just a total flip-flop where Ray ends up at the end of eight – on the dark side, and Kylo ends up on the light side. I think that's that's a possibility. I just don't think she goes to the dark side per se. Mm-hmm. Like, like here's here's well, the thing: it ends with somebody, either Kylo or her, like in charge or like on. You know, like I I could easily see what what my pro wrestling friends call a double turn. Yes, which is, you know. He's sort of, you know, like you can imagine this sort of shot at the end where the good guys are escaping 
and there's like, you know, Finn shows up all beat up. Rose shows up, you know, to Leia and Poe. And then Kylo Ren shows up. And they're like, no, he saved us. Or he did this. Well, where's right. Ray? It's like, uh, you know, I, th- I think there, there, there's definitely the possibility of this sort of cliffhanger where it's like, oh, sh- did she turn? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, but I, I just don't think when you take a step back, you know, Luke was always tempted, but you never thought Luke was going to go to the other side. Well, you know what I mean? What? R- we're gonna say? Right. Well, I was going to say that you've, you have talked a lot about Ray and Kylo and even Finn and Poe. You haven't really given a, I don't think, I don't have a sense from you of what you think Luke's role in all of this is. Is Luke just well, that's, a bystander? I, I think Luke well, you've is kind right. of You've kind of, in this, you sort of set him in the in the background, like 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 Luke. Well, no, on the I have it. The thing is, I and and it, it's not intentional. It, it's because I can't figure out. You know, there's all this stuff about. I I, I just don't. I you know. Oh, Luke is going to go to the dark side, and we have these posters where Luke is in black and white behind Kylo. I I just don't think that's the case. Yeah. I think Luke is sort of. I I, I think that really. There is a moment, I, and again, I don't know where Luke fits into this third act. Like, I, I don't, I really don't know, because I envision a scenario where Luke um, doesn't leave Octo, mm. like, and she goes with Kylo, and it's like, oh, shit. and which, by the way, no matter what, I think happens, and either then Luke shows up or doesn't, like, and that leads to the inevitable, like. And this really worries me. Is in this movie, do we get the Luke and Leia reunion? Mm-hmm. And I think it's 50 50. Yeah, I, I say no. The, I don't think it's going to happen. Because, happens. yeah, I don't think it's going to. But by the way, I think it was what they were probably going to plan in the next one. Yeah. And absolutely. now they're screwed. Yep. Right? Yep. yep. So, yep. so what I think would happen was, you know, and people have to remember Han, Luke, Leia in this trilogy are supporting characters. No matter what anybody tells you, they are supporting characters. Yeah. They are they all exist to drive the new generation yeah. of Yeah, and Mark Hamill has been, Mark Hamill himself has been saying this ever since he was cast in The Force Awakens. He's like, Yeah, this whole story is about passing the baton. Uh, we're gonna you know, the old people are gonna go and then the young people are gonna So this is something that they've been talking about for some time. I think that some of us don't want to hear that, uh, yeah. But it is the case, and I think you're you're dead on when you are reminding us that they are supporting players. So that's why I think there's a possibility Luke doesn't leave Octo and then plays a role in Nine, where he eventually does have to leave, or he's a big part of this third act in some capacity. The problem is just based on the materials, which we know is nothing, right? Just based on you know, as a fan looking at the materials and looking at like, okay, they're in Snoke's throne room or they're Phasma and Finn are throwing down and Leia is on the ship and, you know, Poe is watching things blow up in space. Like, just based on that, like, I don't know, like, I, like my, my tiny brain can't figure out where Luke fits into it. 
in that third act. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, which, by the way, could be good for more drama in the next one where either Ray says you were right or he's got to show up. What I don't think happens is, you know, like, unless this is, you know, like, the batshit sort of, like, telenovela version of this is, right, They Luke is like, no, I'm staying on Octo. And you take the scenario sort of laid out and Kylo kills um, Snoke and Ray's like, oh, cool, we did it. And then all of a sudden out of like the other room, you know, dude takes off the cloak and it's Luke and uncle and nephew, you know, are like, haha, this was our plan all along. And welcome mm. to the new new world order. Like I like that to me is the extreme version of it that doesn't work. That's what I think people think it's going to be. But I think it's much more grounded than that. I think, you know, like you have all this crap where Luke, I mean, uh, Mark Hamill is sort of like, you know, when I met Ryan, I totally fiercely disagreed with where the character was at. And then as we talked about it, you know, we got to a good place with it. And Ryan, you know, even in the Rolling, I think the Rolling Stone article today was like, you know, you know, you know, I changed stuff to accommodate Mark and blah, blah, blah. So I I think what happens Mm. is, is like, I don't think he leaves. I think Mark Hamill rubs against the fact that Luke Skywalker has sort of, you know, been out of the game and doesn't want to get in the game. Like, I think in Mark Hamill's mind, it's, yeah, Luke would be on the front line and he's been this Jedi hero for years. And, you know, like, everything with the exception of Leia is sort of against convention. It's like when you really think about it, Han Solo sort of wussed out and just went and became a smuggler again. Didn't really give a shit about rescuing his son, who he sort of knows is this guy. You know, he's sort of like, you know, even to a lay, he's like, what can I do? Yeah, well, you know, I think and I, Han's given up. Han's given yeah, up. Like, and it's because it's, and I think Luke it's too, too painful for, I, for him, I think, to stick around and see and be a witness to his failure. He's just going to go back and sort of retreat into his past. Yeah, which I try to live a life really like, think about it. I know that. Really think about it. It's a cool. It, it's a it's a very grounded, realistic take on the character. Yeah, like you know, you because we have, as in the movie going Star Wars fan audience, we have this romantic view of yeah, they all lived happily ever after, and Han and Leia got married, and she's the queen of the galaxy, and Luke trains an army of the Jedi, and there's wonderful peace in the world. Yeah, that was the expanded like, universe. Well, yeah, which, you know, as I'm not afraid to say, I've never liked. And, like, I never liked it at all. And, like, it was just this clean cut. And then, remember, Chewie dies and Han becomes an alcoholic. And they have these kids, right? It's, well, great. <laughs> you know, it's like... Is that geez, true? Han no, becomes a- does Han become an alcoholic after Chewie's death? No, he death? doesn't become an alcoholic. Yes, he does. He gets, no, he gets no, despondent oh, after the oh death of God. Chewbacca, the Yuva Zanvong uh, yeah, saga. Ready? He gets I'm gonna ruin despondent. You with this. The Star Wars Klingons. He, 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 I, well, maybe he drinks, a, you know, has a couple of drinks, but an alcoholic, I don't I, All I know is that you and Swank should get a room together and talk about the expanded universe and all your uh, dislikes <laughs> and your dislikes. No, I'm going to find this where it used to be in the expanded universe. After Chewie dies, he has a drinking problem in the expanded universe. I'm too telling much, you, too someone much listening calf. to this helps me. Someone, no, they drink the flame outs. Do you know flame outs? Oh, is that the Star Wars alcohol? Is this Romulan ale? Yeah, I was, yeah. Just, I was just going to say. No, 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 no. no. 
I'll tell you a funny story is when we were doing the smugglers, I forget which one, the second or third one. Um, I, it's got to be the third one where Han goes to order a drink or something. Or maybe it's the second one. Han goes to order a drink. And I was sort of like, I wonder what he drinks. You know, I was probably talking to Kyle. Like, wonder what he, what, what he drinks. And I sort of Googled it. And it was like, oh, he drinks flame outs. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And, it, and it's like, no. It's like, if you Google flame, Star Wars flame out, like, you'll find, like, one of those Wikipedia things that's in the le- now in the Legends canon. And where it's in Han Solo's revenge. Like, it's oh. in the book. Right. Really? And and it so it says in the thing like, oh, as he in his early smuggling days, Han Solo drank this. Shit, right. So but it's in the book. It's in Han Solo's <laughs> revenge. So anyway, oh. Han, if after- anyone knows it has the exact part of the book where this happens, send it to a show at rebelforceradio.com. Yes. Help me, somebody. Anyway, the, my point being is so like you can't expect Luke like to just expect Luke to show up on Snoke Star Destroyer, on the Supremacy, I think it's called, and just start wrecking with, every, you know, with our heroes is naive if you, if you just base it on what we've seen so far in one full movie. I mean, they're all broken. They're all broken. Hansel is broken. Leia's broken. Leia's a kook. Leia is, at the, at the start of Force Awakens, Leia is this lunatic ex-politician who the world found out, or the galaxy found out, was Darth Vader's daughter. And it's sort of, well, get the hell out of here. Go leave the Hosnian system. And she's sort of running the resistance, which is another kooky thing until the First Order is sort of proven true. What I, I look at Leia like she's a prepper. Almost. Like yeah, no, she's like, right. She's kind of I'm like talking about the public perception of prepper. her. She's right. No, she's totally right. Yeah, she is and, right. She is right. No, I'm not. I'm not saying. I frankly think some preppers are right, but I, I think what she's doing there is she's she's the Paul Revere. She's trying to wake everybody. She's the Winston Churchill trying to show everybody. Look, we're just repeating history here. Don't you see? These are evil, evil people, um, and no one's listening to her. And so, yeah, I think she gets branded as a kook, and then they use the the Darth Vader thing to completely discredit her. So that's what I think Haldo, is... I think that's what I think Haldo does. I think Haldo's part of that. Yeah. By the way, I think, I oh, think like, she's, she's the like, one that outs her. Yeah. I think she's like, well, you know, you know, you were my mentor and you never told me who your dad was. Mm-hmm. Then blah, 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 blah. Like it's public, by the way, it's, it's publicly known that Padme was her mother at a certain point, because that's in the Poe Dameron comic. The, this one comic this week gives up a lot of stuff because, Leia goes to, to these, download like, that right now, as a matter of fact. Private vault in Cato Nemoidia, where she's actually trying to free Laura Santeca, but she shows up with Padme's dresses and is like, these were my mother's like expensive Nubian gowns. You know, mm. like I found out about this later, you know, and that's her excuse to sort of get into these vaults to give an opening to Poe. It's actually kind of clever. Um, but anyway. My point being is, I think you have these so, – so to expect Luke to sort of just show up and be like, hey, guys, it's me, like Return of the Jedi <laughs> jumping off a skiff, you know, you know, plank, that's not going to happen. So either 
you know, and then I totally envision the possibility of Luke leaving with Ray and um, uh, Kylo and doing something that, you know, because now we at least know he's going to use a lightsaber in this because you're not going to do a poster of him with a lightsaber and not have it. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're, well, you're, you know, but that kind of marketing can be a little tricky and misleading in itself. I mean, say, for example, when Ray hands Luke that lightsaber mm-hmm. in the scene that continues from the end of the, the Force Awakens, what if Luke just simply ignites it just to see if it still works? Okay. And he here's turns where, it off and where, hands it back to him. Here's where I'm going to argue with that. I, I don't think he does because I think. That's a moment you don't give up that early in the movie, Luke igniting a lightsaber. So if you're going to have Luke ignite a lightsaber, it's got to be in a moment that's totally badass, right? Okay, all right. Because here's another thing. Just keep in mind, um, you never see Rey with an ignited lightsaber in any of the materials outside of Octo. You don't see her on the Star Destroyer with a lightsaber. You don't see blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? Like you don't, you really don't see her anywhere else. So the question is, does she do something ridiculous? Like, you know, when she leaves with Kylo, is she like, screw you, dude. And here's your lightsaber and just leaves. Like I didn't need it before. The Japanese movie poster is Luke physically holding the poster. I mean, the the poster, the the lightsaber. He's physically holding that lightsaber. Okay. So he, I, I can't imagine, and I love the Japanese, but I don't think they would ever do anything that ridiculous where that's not in the movie. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like, so I think you're going to see Luke with the light. Now, that could be, oh, my God, the Knights of Red are coming on Octo. Or that could be he appears on the, you know, et cetera, and he fights Kylo or he fights, you know, Snoke, you know, Kylo kills Snoke and then Luke fights Kylo. You know, like, is it some ridiculous double cross? And even Ray is like, no, Luke, don't do that. He's like, you can't trust this kid. What about the saber, the green bladed saber he had? Yes, that to me is awesome. Like, that's a whole mystery. Where the hell is that thing? Right. You know what I mean? Like, but she's got it. And now we've seen a picture of Luke with the blue saber. So the question is, how does that all pan out? You know what I mean? Like, that poster throws everything into disarray in terms of like, here's all the fun theories we're going to come up with. And so I think, I think it goes two ways. I think Luke never leaves Octo and then he's a big part of the ninth movie or he does something significant at the end where he's like, I'm the one who hid you. And by the way, you could do like, there's, there is a strong case for the theory I just presented to you, which is we took out Snoke and Luke is like, okay, guys, now I'm in charge. And it's not a dark side thing. It's not like, oh, I'm a Sith, I'm a bad guy. It's no, sort of like, okay, I've been waiting for you guys to show up the prophecy of, you know, the unified force, you kids. <laughs> and they're sort of like, you, Luke. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> they, you know, like Luke, like, I feel like there's like, as I was saying before with Kylo, in sort of there's this element we don't know yet 
of this sort of gray area Kylo, you know, that makes him sympathetic. I feel like there's this gray area we've started to see with Luke where he's like, the Jedi have to end. So everybody, average Joe looks at that and thinks Luke is bad. Like Luke's a Sith. No, I think Luke is sitting there going, okay, now we got rid of Snoke. Now we can bring balance to the galaxy, but we're going to do it my way. And it's not necessarily cool. And it's not necessarily like, oh, good guy Luke. It's like, no, I did good guy Luke and it didn't work. And it got like all these uh, students killed. Yeah, I I think that even though it's it's Star Wars and you see massive destruction and you know, characters dying and all of that, I, I think that the profound effect that Luke losing you know all of these students it, with this attack that happens, which I think we're finally going to see based on mm-hmm. the trailer. I think they're going to finally make good on it. Oh, this. yeah, we're going to see it. And I think there's a twist in that. I think there's something where it's not just, oh, Kylo Ren did this. Like, I feel like there's a manipulation or something involved with that that sort of changes mm. our perspective. I just, I just don't think it's that clean. Like I, like, I think it's like, oh, he got manipulated into doing this. Or something to do with the girl that has mysteriously disappeared. Or that everybody well, thinks is dead. Well, there's, there's, there's two theories on, on, on Kylo, right? We hear them uh, explained in The Force Awakens. There's Leia's theory, which is Snoke manipulated and played Ben. Right. And then there's Han's theory, which is... It was destiny. He has too much Vader in him. We were foolish to, you know, bring children into this world with this, with this crazy, you know, heritage or 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 bloodline or or whatever. And who am I? I'm just I'm just a I'm just a scruffy looking nerf herder. I'm just a scumbag. I'm just a pirate. I, I I'm I can't deal with this. I was no yeah. match for this. So. I, I guess I'm still searching, and Adam Driver, I guess, is answering it, which is, you know, what's the reason behind Ben's turn and to to be so so violent? I, I I mean, the one thing that I liked about Kylo from the beginning, and I and I remember a number of people bringing it up in our post Force Awakens discussions, was that this guy was just unhinged. This guy was scary because he had nothing to lose. He was sort of the equivalent of a, you know, perhaps a radicalized uh, terrorist of some of some sort that uh, he was just dangerous, unpredictable, angsty, all of that. And the fact that he didn't have any sort of clear cut reason for his betrayal makes him even even more psychotic. So but Am I getting from you, FJ, that you think that there's a there's there's more to it? Um, yeah, it's not. Yeah, I really do. I so really haphazard. think there's. I just I just think there's something smarter there. Like uh, like like yeah. I feel like there's something interesting that we don't know about that. 
You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how to explain well, it. Well, let me ask you this, because you, you, you're a, a storyteller, you're a, you're a writer, you're a producer, you, you, you work in the business. How much do you think, and this is all just speculation, I'm not asking you to give anything up here, but how much of this do you think is, what we're talking about is, is Ryan Johnson's story versus what was sort of pre- um, pre-chosen, predestined by the Abrams Kasdan script, or was it really just passing the baton? We don't have any motivation. We don't have any backstory for these characters. We thought this was an interesting story. Now take it from here. There's an interesting thing in the um, I think it's the Rolling Stone issue. That came out today, the which is a good feature. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's interesting about the feature, besides they interview mm-hmm. Daisy and Ryan and Mark Hamill mostly, is that JJ's in it. Oh, really? And yeah, so like JJ's got a few lines in it, and you know of support, you know of support moment. And sure. sure. Um. Are, do they talk about him coming in and doing nine? Yeah. Oh, it is and what's about. interesting. Okay. What's interesting about it is they there there is a line in the article that says, despite the fact I'm, I'm paraphrasing, mm-hmm. so, you know, nobody on Twitter crucify me if I said something different. Is it's sort of I'm paraphrasing that they say something to the extent of, um. Despite the fact that they claim no um, involvement with one another, um, it feels like both JJ and Ryan Johnson have interacted more than initially implied. Ah, okay. Um, I mean, I've heard stories about JJ cutting stuff at the last minute. Um, on Force Awakens that would that gave up a lot of stuff that he actually made it a little more vague than what it um, mm. actually ended up being. Mm-hmm. So I could be, you know, that that could certainly be the case. That might have given Ryan Johnson a little more of a palette to work with. I mean, I mean, they make it seem like, of course, you know, like, oh, once I finish this movie, it's your problem. Yeah, yeah, you know, and it's like. And it's like, no, dude, you know, that's not necessarily. Well, I think we were the under the case. impression that the big decisions raise lineage, raise parentage, uh, her origin, perhaps some other thing, Snoke's origin, were just left to the next guy to deal with. That there was right. that there there weren't any breadcrumbs left, but I also find that part of me finds that hard to believe from a creative standpoint that they that they themselves wouldn't have had to have some backstory to draw from. Um, yeah, but at any rate, well, I tell you what, this is uh, this has been very enlightening, and it, as it always is when we have you on, and I I can't wait to get uh, some of the reactions that people have. Um, but I, I would oh, say I'm that you've deep, only revised. Like, I mean, <laughs> he says he's in deep. You know what? I think you've only really revised about ten percent of your. Yeah, of no, your I initial... I, I, I stand by. You know, I stand by this. You know, like with with a lot of this, and I hope. 
you know, the, the fun part of this is, as always, you know, this is sort of my, usually it's my preface, is, is I'm basing this purely from my own speculative mind looking at the same materials, you know, the TV spots and trailers and comics that everybody else is doing. You know what I mean? Like, the, it's it's not, you know, right. it, it's weird because they've done a great job shutting down the leaks and all that stuff compared to Force Awakens. Oh, yes, I think so, too. I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> like, think... How does it get shut down? I mean, that's yeah, just the thing. Yeah, I, I think... Um, I don't know. There were rumors that a lot of the leaks were coming from JJ's guys, the 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 bad robot guys. I mean, there were rumors all over the place as to who was doing it. There were rumors that JJ himself and his you know closest associates were deliberately leaking this stuff, and then it kind of spiraled out of control, um, or that there was you know someone someone went rogue behind the scenes. That's for sure because and it goes all the way back to. You know, seeing the first uh, first order stormtrooper helmet and all of that stuff that leaked way, way, way early. Yeah, yeah. it's but there's been very little. Story. There's been very little, and um, you know, Jimmy and I were in a position, you as well, FJ, to, that that stuff. Gen- you generally see that stuff when it's released, but uh, you know, aside from there was uh, there were a couple of early uh, location shoot photos that came out i remember a lot of the canto bite stuff uh, we were analyzing the you know the the switches and the buttons on the doors and all that um that leaked early but that was about it that was about it mm. Mm. But, uh, although there is a fake youtube video out there of the opening crawler Oh, I watched um, that today. It was yeah. very enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. Was it like and in well English? Because like, there's always like somebody with like really poor English. It kind of was, if I, if I remember right. Yeah. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't great. But all Luke right. was Luke was spelled with two U's. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. That's a very Star Wars. That thing. wouldn't shock me at all. That wouldn't shock me at all. But. Uh, well, FJ, we're going to, gosh, we are just weeks away, two weeks away from finding out whether or I not know. you it's will crazy. forever be remembered here on Rebel Force Radio as profit or loser. I think uh, you're, you're more on the profit side than you are on the loser side. I'll be honest. And, and there's aspects of your version of this that I'll be very disappointed if it doesn't, uh, doesn't happen because you've painted a really, really interesting picture here. Of how all these characters it's been, interact. It's been fun to do it, and I really appreciate you guys letting me, and you know, come on and ramble on about it, and also everybody listens and tweets at me. I really appreciate it. It's a lot of fun. It's yeah, a, it, you know, especially on Twitter, which is such a nightmare. It's like every time I seem to do one of these, it leads to really actual fun dialogue with people I've never met before and all that stuff. So, That's so it's really it's cool, and I really appreciate it. Like everybody's super, super cool. Yeah, man. Well. You're the coolest, and we appreciate the time that you put in, and we know you're a busy guy. Uh, is there is there anything you can you mention before we leave you, like any projects that people can uh, see that you've got in the hopper? Or uh, well, right now, currently? right now, there's a couple of things. Right now, running on Verizon Go 90 is the Transformers Titans Return series that I'm executive producing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been up. I think episode four came out yesterday or this week. Um, so that's going through. And the how rest do people the see year. that? How do people see that? 
Verizon Go 90, which okay. is just a website. It's Verizon's oh. uh, thing. Okay. Um, and, yeah, that's, that's what I've got cooking right now. Fantastic. All right, fellas. Thank All you right. so much. You're welcome. Thank you, FJ. And uh, happy holidays to you. You too. Thanks, All guys. FJ DeSanto. Profit or loser. That's going to do it for us for this week. Just one more show to go until we're all piling into those movie theaters to see Episode 8, The Last Jedi. Such an exciting time to be a Star Wars fan. Such an exciting time to be part of a Star Wars podcast and to be listened to by the likes of all of you. We thank you so much for being here each and every week with us. If you'd like more Rebel Force Radio, we can uh, give you all access. That's available on Patreon. And you'll never miss an episode of one of our bonus content shows like RFR Rush Hour. We just recorded one of those today, as a matter of fact. RFR Rewind and RFR Q&A. Plus, we've got giveaways, early access to RFR events, and so much more. You Patreon members will know what that's all about at our Big Last Jedi screening. Don't forget to please support our sponsors, Casper, Stance, and our friends at Tops. Tops, the Star Wars card trader app people. If you'd like to play with us in between shows, we'd love to hear from you. Show at rebelforceradio.com is the email address. Just shoot us a note or send us an MP3 and we'll play it on the show. If you'd rather just leave us a voicemail in the traditional sense, you can dial us up 708-320-1737. 708-3201-RFR. You can find us on Twitter at Rebel Force Radio, Jimmy Mac Radio, Jason Swank. We're on Facebook. You can also find our official website at rebelforceradio.com. You can go there for episodes, news, merch, like RFR t-shirts, and so much more. That's all at rebelforceradio.com. Com. iTunes remains a great place to subscribe, not just subscribe, but review Rebel Force Radio. Love to have those reviews. Just one rule, please. Make it good. And you can find Rebel Force Radio streaming at WGNplus.com, Spotify, we're on Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, and just about anywhere you find podcasts. And we're going to have another announcement Shortly, I think, about another channel that Rebel Force Radio is going to be showing up on. Rebel Force Radio, we are an official friend of Wikipedia. We encourage you to visit the ultimate online Star Wars encyclopedia at wikipedia.com. You can also find us weekly at jedinews.co.uk, yodasnews.com, fanthetracks.com, and the official Star Wars website, starwars.com. Once again, thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week right here on RFR. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. And I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, Force will be with you always.
Excellent. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs>